0: I recommend pulling out of here right now and regrouping later. I see Satan, Basilbub, Lucifer, Loki, and maybe even Galacticus out there.
1: Yeah, good idea. We can't compete with creatures like that right now. How do we get out, though?
2: Well, it's simple. Our handy cartographer kept track of our position and will let us retrace our steps.
3: Uh, we have a problem. Our cartographer appears to have died. So what? We'll just revive the poor guy and... Oh, uh, that's not good at all.
4: No, why didn't anyone tell us that dead people immediately disappear along with everything that they owned? We'll never get out of this now.
2: Your backlog, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the RPG Backtrack its continuing mission to explore games from the way back when right up through yesteryear to seek out forgotten games and neglected classics to boldly discuss what you have not played before RPG Backtrack, the longest-running podcast about your favorite RPGs of the past. Get ready for in-depth discussion of plots, characters, gameplay, and more from the staff of RPGamer.com. Here are the hosts of RPG Backtrack, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. And this is RPG Backtrack, the longest-running podcast. I swear, we are the longest-running role-playing game-focused podcast. At least, computer and console role-playing. This is number 210. Gene Splicing, I am Phil Willis, and this is the very unique Mr. Mike Minky.
5: You know, that's actually what I got in high school. I was voted most unique. So, were you there? Did you just look at my yearbook, Phil? What's going on here? You know,
2: you'd be surprised what I can find online, Mike. I know all kinds of things about you.
5: (laughs) Well, then you know that I don't have an Instagram account.
2: Aww. And
5: I'm not getting one, either.
2: Yeah, me neither. I'm not an Instagram person. Uh, but maybe one of our other people are because we got a lot of people here to talk today about um, what are we talking about? spin spinoffs, Persona <laughs> spinoffs. What exactly are we classifying <laughs> this as?
1: Crossover.
2: Crossover. Oh, crossovers. Right, Cros- crossovers. Spinoffs. Right, right. So uh, let's see here. We got a whole bunch of people here. Uh, first, we have uh, Monthan Tarp. Yeah,
0: is that supposed to be me? I'm not nice. even nice. Sure. <laughs> nice. I screwed
2: up so much he didn't even recognize it score!
5: He had to question He had to question it. <laughs> have question you even it. been <laughs> drinking yet, Phil?
2: <laughs> yeah, but, uh, actually, no, I need to go up and get my red wine. Oh, during the break, I'm gonna get a red wine. Okay, uh, so we have him, and let's see here. We have, uh, Miss, uh, Ramos.
3: Hello, everybody.
2: And we have, uh, I don't know, who else do we have, Mike? We have, we have Agent New Guy.
4: Agent New Guy is back. You know, the, uh, the factory episode almost killed me, but, uh, I decided to come back.
5: Wait, no. that was Compile Heart. Oh, sorry, sorry. Compile eh. They're very yeah. distinct companies. Please I know, they're Get very...
1: <laughs> potato, potato.
5: Opposite ends, yep, yep. Tomato,
2: tomato. And we have a Clarion.
1: Wow, that's not even close.
2: Yeah, no, it's totally what it says on Twitter here. If you look up Red Rock 963 it says Clarion. Because that's K-L-R-Y-A-N. Clarion. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah, I did that because that's kind of my author pseudonym type
2: name. Ooh, see, I even know your names that you don't even know you have.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no. It, it, it's because you get more cred- credibility as a writer. and pretty much hide your gender. That's, at least that's Aww.
2: what J.K. Rowling No, Now I'm sad. That's not right. But I still like Hiding you. How the
5: publishing industry is mired in archaic, I guess they would call traditions, that should have fell, fallen by the wayside decades ago.
2: Yeah, I read a lot yeah. of female authors. I mean, read as in listen to audiobooks.
1: I mean, the stigma probably got lifted a little bit with JK being so popular, but it wouldn't surprise me if it still was round.
2: Hmm. Everybody likes Harry Potter, come on. Hey, uh, you know what else they like? They like crossovers. And we've got a couple of um, Shin Megami Tensei or Persona cross persona. Are we calling them Persona Crossovers or Shin Megami Crossovers?
1: Uh, Sh- Shin Megami
2: Okay, Shin Megami yeah. Tensei, yeah.
5: After all, Persona itself is a Shin Megami Tensei spin-off at one point.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right?
2: So we're going to talk about... Oh, go ahead.
3: No, say it's a. It's an alternate tale of the goddess. At least that was its original Japanese name, so... You know. mm, wasn't, that
5: just, wasn't that just Megami Tensei?
3: No, because uh, Megami Tensei means resurrection, reincarnation of the goddess. Shin Megami Tensei is true reincarnation of the goddess. The original... Persona was Megami Ibon Roku, which translates to something like Alternate Tale of the Goddess. The SMT...
1: The the tree of SMT 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 spinoffs has
3: many uh, branches. Many, many branches. Very confusing, too, if you try to follow them. Mm -hmm. And many of them
5: haven't been remade yet, so we can look forward to other things like the Majin Tensei or the Kyuyuku Majin... Megami
3: we'll Tensei never, games. we well, we'll probably never seen Devil Children, I imagine, or Flash Demi Kids.
2: It it never ceases to amaze me how you two are like walking gaming Wikipedias. It's just absolutely amazing. I can't even pronounce half those words you said.
1: I really like my Megatin, man, and I've done a lot of reading about it.
5: Kyaku Megami Tensei is the remake on Super Famicom of the original 2 Megami No yeah, Shin yeah. Tensei Games.
3: There's a there's a slew. There's a lot of sub-series that have been dormant for a long time in that. It's, mm-hmm. it's franchise slash meta series, really, at this point. Yeah.
5: Mm-hmm. yeah. There's one called Ronde, which was sort of a tactical game, and it was a a Saturn exclusive. And still is, because it hasn't been remade. It's ugly as butt, too.
1: And notable hey. is one of the uh, most returned pre-orders of all time in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong No, I'm, I'm serious. Wow. The, the demo came out and people were pissed. I, I will say... It
5: something. The Japanese are generally much less inclined to put, put up a fuss. And I I know I'm stereotyping, but there's a reason for that one.
1: Yeah, but that one, I mean, that looks ugly. It does. But that's, that's another show for another time.
3: Maybe.
5: Let's
2: um, talk about...
1: Yeah, let's... Maybe. <laughs> i
2: I will say, uh, Megami Tensei games are the RPGs. I I love to. to I, I I suck so much at them, but I love them so much. I don't know. It's like a. It's like a. What do they call them? An unhealthy relationship or an abusive relationship?
5: <laughs> beat me! Uh, beat me! Good. In strange journey. You just couldn't beat the final boss, right? And I
2: just scream, "Beat me! Good! Just beat!" Okay. All right. We're getting off track. All right. So we're gonna take now a break.
5: Strange journey. Touch you.
2: Oh, oh, oh. It it touch me right here, Daddy. The, yeah, right here in the pri. Anyways, so gonna, we we are going to have a lot of Persona Q music because as we're going to find out, I love Persona Q and I adore Persona Q's music. So you're going to listen to I don't know a Carousel of Life or something right about now, right now.
5: And are you going to include the lyric sheet so that people can follow along? Oh my
2: god! <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. We're gonna talk about that. That's a good point, Mike. I'm gonna pull it up so we can discuss it. That'll be my contribution to this conversation. Because <laughs> really does, I'm not gonna be able to go nearly into the lore as some of the other people on this podcast. I'll let them do that, and I'll just talk about the lyrics. Um, okay, so we're gonna take a tiny break, and we'll be right back after this nonsensical song. This is the main event we take a game or a series of games and we crack it open like an egg on one of those uh, Brain on Drugs commercials. Uh, we are going to start off talking about Persona Q. <laughs> it's a different analogy Wait, every time. I try we, really hard.
5: <laughs> do, are we talking about just the brain on drugs? Or are we talking about the brain on heroin, where we smash Ooh, the egg all over the kitchen and break things? That go,
2: oh. that should be the next the next show. I should say that the brain on heroin is pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> Persona, Q, look that up on on YouTube. <laughs> Persona is funny <laughs> as hell. Uh, Persona Q Shadow of the Labyrinth uh, was developed by Atlas, published in uh, North America by Atlas, of course. Released on November 25th, 2014, on this side of the pond. This is a a DRPG, dungeon-crawling, role-playing game, single-player experience for your Nintendo 3DS system. Did you say 2015 or
5: 2014?
2: Oh, 2014. Yeah, totally 2014 is what I said. Totally not drinking. 2014.
5: Yeah. I remember playing it in the fall of 2014, so... Totally
2: 2014, and it's 2019, and I'm still only halfway through. Yeah... (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's a long game.
2: <laughs> it's a long game. It's just
0: it is a long game. It
2: just boy, <laughs> it's it's fun, but it's long. Hey,
5: I had to play it for review.
2: God bless your heart. Uh so let's but before we get into all that, let's let's do our traditional start off with the plot slash story. And I know one of y'all have probably gonna be able to rattle all of this off the top of your head so that I don't have to give everybody exactly one half the story.
1: Because well, I hey, could do the story, but
2: it'd be one half of the story.
1: Well, it's funny you mentioned that because the beginning of the story changes depending on whether you're playing as the Persona 3 crowd or the Persona 4 crowd.
2: And everybody and, knows that Persona 3 crowd was the right choice, and everybody really picked Persona 4. is just silly.
1: Well, I played Persona 4. You're just silly. Really? You're right, I am.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I so, had no real stake in the race, and I picked Persona 3 partly because I know Sam loves Mitsuru, and I figured, all right, I'll I'll go with the team that has Mitsuru from the start.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I definitely went with Persona 3. It had just been such a long time since I played Persona 3. That was kind of like the cast I was more excited to
2: see again.
1: At that point, I had not played Persona 3 yet. I didn't Hmm. play Persona 3 until I got my Vita.
2: Mm-hmm. And as everybody knows who's listened to enough of these podcasts, I play both three and four, and I like three more simply because I felt like it was a little bit more focused. But I don't get me wrong, four is super awesome and practically the reason to own a Vita. So
1: mm-hmm.
2: um but yeah, go That's why ahead. That's why I bought a Vita. Do you wanna do you wanna go ahead and um do you wanna go ahead and take it away with like a full dive into the very deep plot of Persona Q? Yeah,
1: so on the Persona Four Four route, um The story takes place shortly after the cross-dressing pageant in 4, and the Persona 4 hero meets Margaret at the school, and she invites him and his friends um, into the fortune teller's booth. And then they get trapped in the school and notice that it has a large clock tower outside. And while they're kind of exploring the school, they run into two characters named Ray and Zan. And end up in a door called Human Wonderland where they discover that they can summon their personas outside the television. That's how per this Persona Four route starts. I don't know if anybody wants to jump in with how to three route.
5: Uh sorry, I'm going back nearly five years where yeah. it's it's it was similar. They pop up into I'm pretty sure it's the same labyrinth, which is a vaguely Alice in Wonderland inspired thing.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, that, in that case, the big deal was if they could summon Personas without the Evokers. Mm-hmm. Uh, god, I can't remember much else.
1: So, they, they both both parties meet up. Um, they're hanging out with Zen and Rey. And you go through pretty much all of the dungeons. And eventually it's revealed that this kind of alternate school was, was created by Zen. And he is actually the god Kronos. And... Um, Twelve years ago, he went to guide the soul of Ray, who was named Nico at the time, who had just passed away. And he was intrigued by her despair and created this kind of alternate dimension to get her to speak and basically wiped her memories because her memories were painful. And you kind of, I can't remember, I think you find out about this in the last dungeon.
5: Yeah, you do. You Well, it kind of comes after what you thought was the last dungeon. Mm-hmm. And then you think well, there's nothing left. We've got to have some revelations now. And then we do get some revelations, and Ray ends up abducted, wounding up at the top of the clock tower, which you've now got to to climb in order to get your your last plot beats out of the way. Mm -hmm. And it turns out to be the biggest dungeon of all.
1: Yeah, and the other dungeons had to do with stuff that Zan wanted to give to Ray to kind of help her have a better life because apparently she had had a pretty sucky life up to this point, but like constantly being in the hospital. Um, the Alice in Wonderland dungeon was based off of her favorite toy rabbit. The so yeah, Let's see, the
5: next one is kind of a cupid it, uh, date night themed.
1: Then the, you know, I don't think GameFX has these in order, but you're right. The next one was the d- date shop theme, and that was so that Ray could experience love. And then the Aniba. Then Piata, there was the
5: spooky house.
1: Yeah. Um, Evil Spirit Club so that she could experience school. And then. E- and, Inaba Pride exhibit, so that she... Which
5: features very, very orange and red graphics everywhere that does indeed make it look incredibly hot. And the FOEs in that area all look like they just left the cast of uh, that goofball series that I'm not remembering the name of right now from the same people who gave us Lawn Launderser... Or they, they're just wearing loincloths and they're sweating a lot and it's, you don't want to stay in close proximity to them for long.
1: <laughs> Are you talking about Choaniki?
5: Choaniki, thank you.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah, that one was pretty freaky. All of the dungeons in this were pretty freaky. I like the Alice in Wonderland one the best. but well, the, the... the
5: FOEs in the Haunted Spooky Club were also kind of freaky.
1: yeah. Yeah, like, headless babies and cupids and everything. I mean, a lot of the dungeons in this were a little bit unsettling. And And,
5: in the Clock Tower, you get what looks like an actual Grim Reaper mm -hmm. chasing you with chains trailing in in its wake. And it can indeed treat you like the Grim Reaper would if you try to fight it.
1: I wonder if that's a callback to the Grim Reaper in Tartarus 3.
5: Maybe. Was there anything like that in Thor 4?
1: I don't think so. The 4 de- didn't have a Grim Reaper's mechanic. I don't
0: remember bit. one in 4.
1: Yeah. Um but I never I know th-
0: encountered it in 4. That, that but I know
1: 3 not. definitely did because I got stomped by that thing in 3 multiple times. But um, yeah, that's pretty much a basic overview of the plot that the dungeons are kind of a, this is your life for Ray. Um, and Ray throughout the entire game is, you know, really cheery, but also really kind of scared of everything. and
5: She really likes ice cream.
1: Yeah. She, oh, she likes food in general.
5: Corn dogs.
1: And every, she really likes everything. To food.
5: Yeah. And um, then everything gets a little quiet. Everything gets quieter once she's gone to mm-hmm. the final dungeon.
1: Yeah. Um, this game also has a side quest with social links, kind of like uh, the mainline Persona games.
5: And that's where Elizabeth gets to be. What the heck is her characteristic? I don't even know if there's a single word that describes it.
1: I don't know either. I know that Theodore got stuck wearing an apron for most of the game, which is hilarious because um, in Persona Q two, he gets stuck wearing a popcorn costume.
4: <laughs> and a completely they were kind on of one week. beat. A lot of these characters end up getting one beat.
6: Yeah, one that...
4: characteristic really blown up in this game. They're not as fleshed out as they were in their original games. Uh...
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's what's kind of frustrating about this game is that that's exactly what each character boils down to in a series. Like, Chie's, all about meat. Mm-hmm. Uh, t- Teddy's all about getting girls.
0: T- Teddy hits on the girls. Akihiko kind of had roid rage in this game.
1: Mm-hmm. It's just There
5: was an awful lot of references to protein and muscle building.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was ready to fight with anyone who said anything. It, it Like, I mean, that was the, you know, they, they chibi-fied the character designs, and mm-hmm. then they also kind of chibi-fied their personalities, and that was kind of the part of the game that uh kind of grated on me as it went on and on, was oh. the single tone, you know, those single beat characters just didn't match up and, and didn't come close to matching the... uh The characters that you had kind of come to know and love from three and four.
1: Yeah, it graded on me too so much so that I ended up skipping a lot of the quest dialogue just to kind of get through it, just because I didn't want to sit there kind of reading through all of this, which it really didn't have much of a point.
5: It was entertainingly translated by Atlas, and I can speak to the fact that it, in moderate doses, is pretty entertaining.
1: Yeah, for, for the most part. And it did. This one, unlike its sequel, did have English voice acting, which was cool.
5: Too. I will
4: say, this was actually my first Persona game. I had never played Persona 3 or 4. Oh, big wow. Etrian, yeah, being a big Etrian Odyssey fan, I was like, oh yes, give me another Etrian Odyssey with a different skin. That sounds fine. And I thought, the, I could tell that the characters were pretty much one beat, I was like, okay, every one of these characters is literally saying the same thing over and over again. And even by the end, for me, I was like, okay, I get it. You want to hey. eat meat. You want to get stronger. You want to do this. Whoop-dee-doo. I get it. This is the fifth time you've said that.
1: So let me ask you, as someone who had never played a Persona game before, were you able to get into the story without really knowing anything about Persona?
4: I was. I, I understood oh. where they were going with it. It did a good enough explaining with Ray and um, everything. It, it Obviously, took some weird turns and didn't end up everywhere you expected to. But it, this it this game it. made me interested in playing the Persona games.
1: Oh, that's that's good.
4: It, it, it probably many other people went the other way and was like, "Hey, I'm a Persona fan. Maybe I want to try Entry and Odyssey," or that scared them away from it. But uh, <laughs>
1: yeah, I can see that. too. Um,
4: <laughs> the other direction, it definitely made me want to go try the Persona series.
1: Because I can see them kind of toning down the characters a lot so that you really didn't have to have any prior knowledge of them before getting into this game.
4: Correct. Yeah, I, it, I don't feel like I missed anything in-game by not having
0: played 3 and 4. So oh, they were very careful to make sure that there was nothing in this game that like
5: ties back into the broader series. Mm. And that's why you kind of knew that only the characters you haven't seen before can only can have any real development.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What can I do for you? <laughs> wrong game.
5: Oh boy. Wrong
1: I theory. can't hear you.
2: No do you, I think... do you know there's actually a Reddit thread about people trying to guess the lyrics to the battle music in Persona Q? <laughs> <laughs> I
4: don't doubt it. And I'm sure they're all wrong. <laughs>
1: But no, I, I did find Ray and uh, Zan's story to be very touching and very tragic. I actually remember it kind of bringing me to tears at one point just because of how, well, one, how angry she gets when she finds out that uh, Zan lied to her. And then two, just realizing just how awful her life was up until she died. And just how sad it made Zan, who, I mean, He's supposed to be Cronos, but I kind of took it as he's supposed to be kind of a Grim Reaper type character.
5: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the, you'd think that the Grim Reaper had, had seen things like this a lot, but apparently her life was just that bad that mm-hmm. it, it impressed even the Grim Reaper.
4: Yeah. Think that, of that's... how bad your life has to be. That he hasn't been there and seen that before,
1: and you know, up until that point, I did I found Ray to be just a really cute and an adorable character. So you know, finding out how crappy her life was was just a gut punch. And not so it. much. Sorry, not so much the other Persona characters. I mean, they were just kind of along for the ride, unfortunately. Except for yeah. Teddy,
0: who I wanted to throttle most of the game.
1: Yeah, that's how <laughs> I feel about Teddy. And- yeah, see, but Teddy.
0: This, this
2: is Teddy. Teddy.
1: Teddy gets so much flack, but
2: I can't tell you, like, at least for the forty hours or so I played so far, I almost always have my party because I personally thinks his jokes are awesome. They're very funny. See what I did there? Sense? Did you see it? Did you mm-hmm. catch it?
5: I got it. Yeah. But Phil, why didn't you pause for us? Oh, good one. Hey. We've started down this very dreadful path already. We we have to go all the way, bear down and push through. Oh,
1: we'll just have to me, grand bear through it. Yeah. Give me a bear ache.
4: <laughs> We've got a lot more to talk about before we break for our next game.
1: Yeah. Um, so I th- I felt like the, I felt like the consensus <laughs> uh that. That caught me off guard. So, a a lot of the consensus when this game came out was Persona fans going, you got Etrian Odyssey in my Persona, and Etrian Odyssey fans going, you got SMT in my Etrian Odyssey. And for me, at the beginning, I was kind of the latter. It's like... I really love Etrian Odyssey, and having the, the, the Chimagami Tensei mechanics just felt weird at the beginning, but I kind of pushed through it.
5: Well, let's um, see. The, the dungeon exploration and the inventory, those are 100% Etrian. Yeah. But the actual combat is not Etrian.
1: No, not at all. <laughs> um, just be, having every character being able to equip a sub-persona was very weird. Um, I found myself trying to kind of level everybody um, equally, and you kind of get yourself into a bad time when you try to do that, because there are characters that are clearly better than other characters.
4: There's a Um, lot of characters. That's amazing that you kept that up. Did you do it the whole game?
1: No, no, hell no. As soon as As a matter of fact, this I was uh played this when I was still listening to RPG Cast as a fan and Anna said, Yeah, I just picked Naoto and a couple handful, a couple of people that I really liked and just played the entire game like that and I was like, Okay, I'm gonna take Anna's advice. And uh, had a much better time just focusing on a handful of characters and then maybe dropping, like, one or two in for a quest or something. But for the most I
5: remember, part... I remember Naoto being really good. I remember using Yukiko a lot just because Matt, her magic was great for the most mm-hmm. part. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, I since I picked Persona 3, I was stuck with the lead, but he, he held his own.
4: <laughs> mm. I mean, coming at it from an Etrian fan... Playing all the Etrian games, you were. I know one of my biggest concerns at the beginning is picking a bad party
1: Mm -hmm.
4: or the third stratum and realizing, well, this character class doesn't gel with anybody else and it sucks. I liked that with all the sub-personas and you could be changing them around that it it was okay. It was okay if it didn't work out at first. I didn't have to change characters. I didn't have to re-level people. I could just change a little bit with my persona makeup.
1: Yeah, and once I got personas that could do things like restore SP mid dungeon or f- find dungeon shortcuts or what have you, I found that I had a much better time because then whenever I fused um, personas, I would just keep always keep those traits, and plus having Meg to go really early
2: helped. Yeah, you know, and I want to jump it. I want to jump in real quick and just say one of the things I most enjoyed about this that I I liked it better than the couple of *Etrian Odyssey* games I've dived into the combat system and stuff. And one of the reasons why is the deeper combat and the deeper resource management. As you are talking about, like magic points and stuff, you know, depending on you know, you take your character and you hook them up with a persona, and that persona's hit points and magic points are on top of your own, and those are automatically restored at the end of every fight. And if you hit an Elemental Weakness, your next spell is for free. So there's a there's a strategy in play there where you'll exploit enemies' weaknesses with a weaker spell that doesn't use up more than the Persona's magic points and souls Replenish. And then, you know, hopefully be able to hold on to that boost uh, so you can, you know, really open up with something really expensive on your next turn. And kind of working through that, I mean... That. And then to hoping
5: be, something doesn't hit you to undo it.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you do it on multiple characters. But even if I get, hit, I mean, it's a gamble. But I always gambled with lower spells to open it up, and then so I wasn't putting that much on the line. And I never died like against trash mobs. I mean, granted, it's it's a you know it's a persona game. Trash mobs are still a little tough. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't go below my my personas hit points unless I was in dire straits or my my magic points. It.
4: Yeah, they had those magic points. So yeah, you could
2: and managing could that. Like, yeah, think about like in normal Etrian Odyssey games, I I would so I would try not to use the spells, especially against trash mobs or regular mobs, no matter how tough they were, because it's a battle of attrition and and magic point replenishments in Etrian Odyssey is, is at least from the ones I played wasn't easy to come by. So it was oh. it was another long trip back to the end. Uh, whereas in Persona Q, as long as I managed it well. I could get by for quite some time and not not do too bad at that
4: like that because I'm someone in video games that I don't use abilities and I don't use magic for the most time on random encounters. I attack 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 and heal when I need to but and I feel like I miss out on a lot of stuff because and
2: and it's the same in persona three because you know in persona three once you're out of magic points <laughs> you, you 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 you're screwed. You're screwed. You're screwed. So Etrian Odyssey, Persona, were those games where, yeah, against regular bombs, I really, really tried not to use it. But it was always kind of frustrating because Persona games rely heavily on the elemental weakness system. So it's like, but if I use them and I knock them down, then I'm pushing myself back, you know, to retreat that much faster. And it's kind of the same thing with EO. Like, it gives you this system of binding and, and everything like that that seems very inviting, very strategic, but it just always seemed like my resources were so finite it was basically to be safe for bosses. So for regular monsters, uh, regular monsters, my wizards and the stuff felt very ineffectual. But here in Persona Q, oh man, bring bring um, bring! What's her name? And, and let her cast spells. Chie or or whatever, and, and let her cast spells. And well, she was more physical. Whatever. Bring whoever, let them cast spells. Um, oh, and there was physical attacks with elementals you could do as well, but that would use up some hit points. But whatever, yeah. because as long as it didn't dip past the personas. You just you just got it back at the end of the battle. I, I just felt like it it encouraged a, a, a cautious use of those other skills because when you open up those elemental weaknesses, uh, you got ex- You got the the first turn. You got free magic point. You so you can really open up with your big boy stuff against regular trash mobs. Uh, that was awesome. I loved it.
4: And uh, what I liked about it was along that line. And I don't know if everybody else had this experience through our chats the past couple weeks, but the foes. I found were easier as I went Oh my through. god,
1: FOEs are a joke in this game. Especially, they are.
4: Especially like in Entry like... you gotta get to level 4 before you go back to level 1 and take on that FOE. Mm-hmm. This, each one felt maybe like a sub-boss or a floor boss or something. It was hard enough that you dipped way into your MP and everything, but it wasn't impossible. You could actually accomplish it.
1: Well, not only it's that... One of the reasons why I kept Naoto in my party most of the time is because most of the FOEs in the early levels were weak to light, and um, Naoto had an innate light ability.
6: Mm-hmm.
1: But even then, pl- pl- I mean, I always play these games on easy, so I kind of have easy street any- anyway, but even on easy, some of the EOs, uh, the FOEs in some of those games can still give you a run for the money. This was just like, well, I'm punching, punching these guys just like normal mobs it felt like
4: yeah no they they playing even on default be the second floor where i accidentally hit one and i mean you know being an entry not as a person i'm like i'm dead and i'm like whatever i'll go all out i'll try to do it and i won and it was just how did i do that and from then on i would take them on and they were very few throughout the course of the game that couldn't be taken on pretty quickly
0: that's not my mer- – uh, like, I obviously ran into – either I was underleveled or I ran into some tougher ones because my memory was that, that that was part of where I got stuck in, like, it was either the third or the fourth stratum where I started running into some FOEs that just killed me and I couldn't get past them.
1: Wait, it got I got really
0: I frustrated.
1: I didn't Come get up. stuck on the 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 FOEs. I got stuck on the puzzle.
0: Yeah, I really hated the some of the later puzzles where you had to solve them also while there was uh, – you know, you're having to deal with random encounters as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh
4: huh. And you're, what were the ones with the, in the haunted house with the light switch and you're flipping it on and you're having to, li- wasn't there some where you had to listen?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I don't, I know. Of I that got, baby crying.
4: Was is that what I'm remembering?
1: Yeah. yeah, I got stuck in that one. I don't remember what the hell the damn thing was. I know that some. I, you know, explored the whole floor, couldn't find the solution. That was the same floor where you had to guide Ray through the dark uh-huh. and you couldn't go back to that section. So I was convinced that that section had what I needed to find or what I needed to, for, for the clue. And of course I couldn't go back to that session, section and I'm like, I completely locked myself out of this game and I couldn't find anything anywhere on the internet to solve that puzzle. And eventually I found out that someone had like either mistranslated that puzzle or okay. I just didn't get it.
0: Yeah, I remember there was one puzzle I had trouble figuring out and apparently part of the problem was that like it had to deal with like the the way that the coordinate um uh... Yeah, you know, like like you have the different uh, divisions of a uh, quadrants, and like Mm -hmm. apparently they number them differently in Japan than they do in the United States, and so I'm going where it counts
4: from A to F and then one to six.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That like totally messed me up because I thought I was doing it right and it wasn't working, and then like I eventually found that online. You know, had to look that up online to kind of figure that kind of stuff out.
1: Yeah, I wonder if that was the same one that I got stuck on. I just know that there was one puzzle in that haunted school that just made me want to cry. It pissed me off so bad.
4: See, before I get there, I'll try everything one or two or three times, but I, I have a quick uh, game FAQ, these Etrian Odyssey puzzles. I try to get there before the frustration kicks
0: in. Well, see, I was playing this game right when it came out, and there were no FAQs. So. Yeah, same here. You was figuring it out on your own. <laughs> what
4: time of year did this come out in the spring? Fall. Yeah, it's fall. Then I, Okay, I played it the next year. I played it the next summer, so
5: everything was online. I remember, <laughs> I remember digging around in GameFAQs a couple of times because, yeah, there weren't any facts, and I was playing it for review for the site, but the, I don't remember anything holding me back too long. I was able to figure it out, which either means that the puzzles weren't particularly difficult to me, which is rare, or that my investigations on Game Facts were occasionally successful because if you hunt around in there, you'll usually find some useful nuggets of information in amongst all of the is this game good? What is this game like? question <laughs> threads. Well, and the game had been out in Japan.
4: Yeah. So you can fool around with.
1: And to People's be fair, back players. then, uh, GameFAQs' search engine for their message board was really crappy where it only parsed the titles and that was it. Mm-hmm. So unless you know how to search GameFAQs, trying to find what you needed was pretty difficult back then. Now they've, I think that they've put a better search engine for their message boards.
4: I believe you're right. I just Google it. I put in GameFAQs and, and type it in next to it in Google. usually it does pretty well.
2: Yeah, I, I will say I did find a couple of the puzzle doohickeys in here A little frustrating And I've said this before I like to play my portable games away from a computer Where I'm not constantly glued to an I'm FAQ actually,
5: here. I, I remember a couple of arrow-shooting puzzles in the second dungeon Giving me enough trouble to the point where I remember them five years later
2: Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a down point of it for me Or the ones where the FOEs move two spaces and oh, for me, I
0: hated those. I hated
2: those. Yeah, and they were tough enough to kick my butt, even though I felt like I took my time and grinded up. They were still kicking my butt. Because at first I thought maybe the idea here is I'm supposed to beat them, but they were they were really pretty hard. I don't even know if I even beat one while I was still in that dungeon. And uh, yeah, that was, that was pretty rough. I did eventually figure out one on my own, but I FAQ'd one of them because it was just. Yeah, I get to the spot of light, and they'll stop when you're on the light. But then, as soon as you come off of it, they move two spaces. So the fact that I held him there for one turn doesn't mean shit.
1: Even.
5: That was the haunted
1: house again. Uh, can, can we agree that that was the worst dungeon in this game?
4: <laughs> it was definitely
5: the most challenging, yes. I remember Adrian, at Adrian Denowden at the time, saying, taking a picture of one of those FOEs and saying, What did you just do, game? You freaked me out! Something like that. Because <laughs> those baby heads and gigantic freakish bodies are indeed kind of freaky
1: oh yeah because they pop out
5: i will say they did a really good job with the
4: dungeon design here
1: oh i'm not i'm not denying that the dungeon aesthetics are great but some of the it's the puzzles and the oh yeah definitely terrible
4: no the graphics were pretty good i mean that usually you start at train odyssey in first five floors your first 10 20 hours you're in a forest And Mm -hmm. it's nice and pretty, but, you know, you're in Alice in Wonderland right off the bat and see the walls and the characters all
5: that way. And let's see here. I don't remember them well now, but I remember each of the dungeon bosses being quite interesting because they go through several phases and they're actually set up.
1: Oh, yeah. Queen of Hearts. Hmm. The scary surgeon. some, Some
5: kind of, yeah, some psycho surgeon with a couple of nurses in the area for Dungeon 3. Uh, I don't even remember what... It, it was some kind of gigantic flying insect thing at the top of the clock tower, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, something like that. its It's been a while.
5: Instead, I remember the FOEs of the clock tower because... All right, I was playing it on easy. I was trying to get this thing done for review and losing a, an hour or so because I got whomped. Doesn't help me get a review done faster. And... <laughs> I abused the fact that if you play it on the lowest difficulty level, it gives you a free re- regen if you, everybody gets knocked out in a part in a battle. I got knocked out several times fighting those <laughs> foes before I finally, by war of attrition, beat them. I, you know, I want to say the default
4: gives you one restart too, or no? That that sounds familiar.
1: I I'm not sure because I always play the yo know, games oh, yeah, on yeah. easy.
6: <laughs>
4: Uh, one of the things I liked, being an per person, mainly, I like they added um, dungeon completion percent per floor. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. That,
4: that popped up oh. if you got to, like, that 98.5 or... You didn't have to get exactly to 100. It kind of... To 99 but, and suddenly it was there.
1: Didn't this one have the uh, chest that if you got 100% you could open it, but if you were down... Like, depending on how much percent that you missed... Um, you'd have to spend play coins to open the chest.
0: That sounds right.
1: Okay, because I know, right. the, and I'm sorry. I I, I just played the secret we can't talk about because it's under too the new. yeah, it's mm-hmm. too new. But um, I know that that was in Q in Q2, so I wasn't sure if it was if it originated in Q1. I'm pretty sure it did.
4: I always like things that I can spend play coins on. I enjoyed that in a SMT4.
1: I'm kind of enjoying that in Yokai Watch, because what else am I going to spend those play coins on these days?
5: Exactly. Uh, let me think. Dungeon 4 felt fairly long by the time I was done with it. Maybe just because of all those FOEs jumping around, and it, felt, it really felt like I'd been in a hot place for the last 20 hours or so. I guess that's a testament to the graphics, because it definitely felt like a freaking sauna in there. <laughs>
0: I think that was probably my biggest complaint with the game overall was just that it was probably 20 hours too long. Like that last dun- especially that last dungeon just seemed to be needlessly long. It really dragged out the game.
5: A tall tower.
0: <laughs> uh, did well, that in see. The, the 3 first, already.
5: The first few floors of that tower were reasonably short. And then you get to, what is it, 6th or 7th floor, and it's it takes up the entire map area. <laughs> And you realize, oh, you were holding this out to me. Thanks. <laughs> no, in it... addition to the, in addition to the reaper, there were also those giant leaping spider things that jumped from corners. And at first, I tried to avoid until I just remembered, oh yeah, I can use the, the war of attrition to beat them if necessary because <laughs> they're really getting in my way. <laughs>
1: Yeah, at one point, at some points in these games, I just say, "Screw the FOA mechanics! I'm just going to punch them." I don't feel like doing whatever thing that the game wants me to do to avoid them.
4: And you're playing uneasy, so you can usually generally do that. Mm-hmm. Being someone who's always played on the default in all the Etrian Odyssey's option, but in this game, it really was because you had all those sub personas you could switch them around, literally floor by floor you we were going to go against some FOEs that were weak to fire, you could uh, for that.
1: Oh, I'm happy that they gave uh, an easy option for these, so that um, people that weren't familiar with the Etrian Odyssey series could at least, you know, in, enjoy the fun of it without having to have the crushing, soul-crushing difficulty.
5: <laughs> hey, That's if you want to play it on the higher difficulties, you can. And more power to you. I understand. You will have to pay much, much closer attention to what you do. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, and we I guess we should mention that inventory works like it does in at Odyssey. You kill things, they drop things. You take them back to Theo, to Theodore, and he makes some stuff out of them for you. And yeah. he'll, he'll give you lists. Oh, man, if you can just kill a few more things and get me this stuff, then I can make you all this stuff. Wow, oh, thanks. You didn't tell me what I need to kill in order to get it, but... Thanks.
1: And you've got your harvest spots, just like an EO game.
5: Correct. Yeah, it's
4: the gameplay elements battle, which is pretty close, but outside of the battle, it's
5: almost 100% Etrian Odyssey. And that means you've got a map, and I think we've discussed Etrian Odyssey a time or two on this show, but in case we've somehow stumbled upon a listener who has never heard anything about how Etrian Odyssey operates, this is the series where the bottom screen is a map. And because you are playing on a device with a touch screen, you are able to add or delete or change icons as you wish in order to fill out the map however it best suits you. And that might not sound addicting, but it is.
1: Oh, it is. Oh, it
5: very
4: much is. And, and let me tell you, getting that 100% completion on every floor to get the rare chest
1: chest. so, so satisfying. Oh, yeah.
4: Like in yep. Etrian Odyssey, if I walk in a 10 by 10 room draw the map and be like, okay, so it goes over here and whatever. You had to actually walk on every Persona queue. Draw it. And then, so it it had that frustration like you actually had to step on everything Mm -hmm. two blocks away. Like a 10 by 10 room, draw the map and be like, oh, I know it's 10 blocks away as this wall. Especially if it's a room with environmental hazards.
1: Oh yeah, I hate that crap.
4: Yep, you better bring your items, you better bring your spells to whatever, and... You know what? We were right. I looked it up about the play coins, and yes, you could, whatever percent that you were missing, there was a sliding scale of play coins. You could treasure chests.
1: Yeah, if I'm at 98%, I am not going to hunt down that last square. I'm just going to no. put the play coins. No.
2: Here's my two play coins. I'll take a few steps with this in my pocket. Thank you very much. <laughs>
1: I'll
2: just, I'll carry you here right here next to where, where you know, that final boss in Shin Megami say Strange Journey hurt me. Mm-hmm. Hurt me hard. feel
4: you're Phil, you're saying real life steps, which is how you earn your play coins. Yeah, saved you in game steps.
2: Yeah, exactly.
4: Life imitating art, or affecting art.
2: Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's like one of the few times I'd walk around my DS with it turned like into spin mode in my pocket because all that other like Street Pass stuff, and I never really kind of got into, it, except for a short stint with Animal Crossing. I did when that first came out. I did find some other people walking around.
4: Bravely Default, I did that for. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: See, I ended up completing all of the Street Pass puzzles, like, several years ago. So, at that point, Play Coins was completely useless to me.
4: (laughs) Mm -hmm. I know we talked about the length of the game, and earlier this week I posted, I looked on my 3DS, and since I played all the Etrian Odysseys, all the remakes, um, I pulled it up, and this one did clock in as the longest game, except for Etrian Odyssey 3. And uh, Atrian Odyssey 3, that was just the boat. I got lost on the boat for 20 hours or whatever, doing that over and over again. But yeah, this one clocked in. I spent 75 hours on this. The way I play Atrian Odyssey games, for at least the first few stratums, I'll do every side quest. I will keep doing it. Then after a while, that just gets to be too much. And yeah, usually Atrian Odyssey, for me, has been exactly between 60 and 70 hours. Or 5, Untold, and Nexus. But uh, Persona Q was 75 so it was close. It, it didn't strike me as being super long because it was only five hours longer than what I was used to from these kind of games. Now, all of these games could be condensed.
0: Yeah, this, the, the, this one just really, it, it wore on my patience. Because <laughs> it was just too, there, there was just way, I, if they were going to do such a uh, slipshod job of characterization, like then they should have really toned back how much they had the characters trooping in on things. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's Because I, right. I just didn't need Teddy hitting on the girls every five, ten minutes while I'm wandering around the dungeons.
1: Yeah, that drives me up. No, so that long. is content.
5: That is content, Josh. We know that sheer quantity of content is the only thing that matters <laughs> no. for 100 hours of gameplay. Yes. When I'm,
1: when I'm right on the box. On... When I'm focused on mapping out the dungeon and I have to deal with going into the door and getting 20 minutes of dialogue that adds nothing to the story, I find that to be a little bit infuriating. Yeah.
4: Just yeah. Putting that, out
1: there.
4: It wasn't Persona-level uh, events. Oh,
2: okay. Yeah. Now, you know, I love the game to death, and, and I'm a little bit of an apologist because to me... The clips didn't quite bother me as much, and the fact that they were chibi and they act all more characterized, and it was – I know it got a lot of people's nerves for me. I thought Teddy was cute as hell. I kept putting him on a party. I know he got a lot of people's nerves. But with that all being said, I totally can recognize the fact and acknowledge the fact that when it came to the quality you know, of story, it's just nowhere close to what you would normally get – you know, in a in a normal persona game, like there's just no character development really outside of maybe, like you said, what's her name? Um, but there's just with the, with the characters coming from three and four, it was pretty much a missed opportunity, and one that, from what I understand, thankfully they've addressed in Q two. Spoilers, Somewhat. from what I heard. Wait, from what I heard,
5: we can't talk about that yet, Phil. It's too new.
2: Just what I heard.
1: What I find more somebody frustrating. Give
5: us a little impression.
2: But I mean, for me, like dungeon. So, like for me, DRPGs like Etrian Odyssey and the such are about you know ex- exploration and leveling up a party and taking on these really big bosses that you you know hopefully have leveled up for and strategize a party for and getting that sense of accomplishment from the journey. And
5: Q and Persona Q definitely delivers dungeons that are gripping to explore. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so that for me was like the story being a missed opportunity was a little bit of a tear, but it, it did for me it didn't didn't really detract, you know, from the experience because I'm just not used to getting them in TRPGs the anyways. Well,
4: yeah, I mean it's got as much story as any other entry in Odyssey game.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's just but it would it would have been nice. Like I, <laughs> I I could totally agree. It would have been really really nice to even have an option that just took down the quips fifty percent. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Just just saying. No. What I found frustrating is when you're trying to, you know, navigate the dungeon, and there's a mechanic that is pretty obvious, and they feel the need to hold your hand to tell you how to do the mechanic that is clearly obvious, and anyone with a brain can figure out. I find that infuriating, and wish well, that
5: obviously, could they are on. assuming that you don't have a brain.
1: No, I I've done this before. <laughs> they let don't me, know that. Let me turn off the hand holding, please. How are they supposed to know that? It de- yeah, it doesn't help
2: that they all look chibi-eyes, which makes them look more childish, and then they treat you like a child.
5: Mm-hmm. <laughs> but
2: the bosses and stuff are still freaking Shin Ted Tensei, Etriot Odyssey. You know, like, there's still tough fights in there. And stupid FOEs right. that move two spaces. Evil.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so okay, like, It ahead. sounds like we're bagging on the game, but at the same time, we all like it.
2: No, like, I totally... Totally love love this game.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, Mike,
4: wait, what was the wait. score that you gave it? I gave it a four out of five. Yeah. I, okay. I would easily put it as a four or four point five. There were okay. definitely things that it didn't do, but as someone who approached it from an etrian odyssey game, I I enjoyed it. I really did.
5: And that's what I came at it from, where I was more engrossed with the fascinating dungeons. And yeah, they got a little long in the tooth, but they also managed to keep springing new stuff. On each floor, that made me think about it in a different way.
0: I think for me, it's probably one of the more frustrating three out of five games I've played. <laughs> like it's not bad; it's just, it, it really was
4: frustrating at points. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can see that. Had you ever played any Etrian Odyssey, or have
0: you? Uh, I had touched a little bit of the Untold games, okay. but neither of them had stuck.
2: I, I, I definitely feel like the biggest reason you're going to like or not like like don't get in this game because you like persona and persona stories because it's going to break your heart you <laughs> get you get into this game if you like dungeon crawlers and etrian odyssey games and and in that case the extra characterizations is either extra chocolate chips or extra little poo-poo chunks if they get on your nerves, but -hmm. but the main cake itself is so, so good because the dungeons are still aside for some irritating puzzles, the dungeons are fun to explore, and the combat is good. And then to top it all off, not only did I find the combat probably one of the most intriguing, most fun, to like, Typical JR. I, I'm people have heard me on this show for years criticize typical JRPG combat systems because to me, so many of them come down to just attack, attack, heal. It just gets are so repetitive and boring. This game. You are not going to. Do- no. You start treating the regular, even the trash mobs, you start treating them like attack, attack, and heal, and they will kick your butt, and you'll run out of resources. And yeah, no, you can't let your guard down even for a minute. Like it's it's a typical shimigami Tensei game in that respect. Um, but on top of this engaging battle system that I just look forward to getting into more fights and stuff, I like grinding here. You've got this really kicking soundtrack. I'm yeah. just jamming it up while I'm fighting them. And the lyrics make... My wife is sitting there listening. She goes, Did they say something about bananas? Is there bananas in your game? <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And I'm like, you know, it's a Persona game. So for the, for the benefit of our audience, I'm just going to read... A verse and chorus from this, okay?
0: Well,
2: I can't wait. You can't wait, right? This is this is great.
4: Sitting up here. I'm this like, getting up attention.
2: I want to hear this. And, and, and this has... This is, this, this, I just haven't been... Dry. Okay. Yeah, you don't say, I didn't didn't. I gave you a chance. You didn't listen. Only wanted out, but you just kept talking... You just kept that garbage talk, so no blessings. Y'all looking present, I'm already futuristic cruising... Satisfaction killed me a bit But curiosity brings me back to grooving Don't want to follow orders I ought to restore that Told her crossing the border Next corner posing for reporters Next level explore with my crew Supporters still conquesting Forward with my crew That's the verse That made sense right
5: mm-hmm. It did I have no questions about that <laughs> Here's the chorus with my crew
2: Right? I mean, that's what Dungeon Crawl is all about. It's about conquesting with your crew, right? Oh, and your yeah. supporters. Like the, and there's the course. Like the shining stars light that path whenever it's dark, you keep on blinking at me. I mean, that's a thing, right? People just blinking at you in the
5: dark. People blink.
2: Yeah, it's my been wife. known
5: to happen. I <laughs> I just can't stop people blinking at me some days, and it's really annoying.
2: You never turn away from me in this vast, gloomy night sky. Light the fire up in the night. The journey that we travel for our prize. No matter where we go, we will not stop the shining forever. Oh, I just—I'm I'm sorry. We will
5: not stop the shining forever because I'm, that's an, I'm, a an little,
2: ch- I'm a little choked up. It just touched me right here. <laughs> oh, and here's the bana- ver- very—I'll just—I won't keep reading, but this is very burst too. The views that I see are not flat; more like a panorama. More to it, more of a drama, going Gorilla's Bananas. There's your bananas. Makes total there sense. There you go.
5: Yeah. Gorillas do love bananas. Bram yeah. with Panorama.
2: You know, I, I, I've often said this about the, the Persona songs. They're the best songs that I don't understand what the fuck they're saying. I just... It, there's very few Persona songs that... That was kind of the cool thing about Persona 5 is I could actually understand the lyrics for once. <laughs> <laughs> the most of those songs. Uh, Persona 3 and 4... Uh, yeah, no, plenty of songs in there. I don't understand what the hell they're saying. But, uh, hey, say, what was it? Carousel Life isn't too well, bad. You
5: know, well, you know what? All of the other... I don't remember any bad songs in this game. Some of them were less memorable, but each of the dungeon themes was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Especially the dungeon, the final dungeon theme. Now, that it, we have our issues with the length of the clock tower... But that theme, astonishingly enough, I didn't even realize it goes for eight minutes before it starts to repeat. Oh wow!
1: Oh wow! I didn't notice that.
5: Mm. At first, wow. I, when I looked at the, the links of it elsewhere, I thought people had to be repeating it, but no, it's a full eight minutes before that thing goes for repetition.
1: Now, was this soundtrack a Yuzo Koshiro one, like Etrian, or did they uh, go with the Persona soundtrack?
5: No, it was uh, Shoji Oh,
1: Okay.
5: I was very. I, I, impressed. Re- I remember I, this. I I hadn't yet learned that playing games with their volume on in the break room is generally not the best way to have my coworkers get a relaxing break. And several people <laughs> took took issue with the lyric with the lyric songs because they weren't getting into it. So- Can't
2: imagine. It, it is very rocking like that that combat music is very da, 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 like it's it's like a rap really and it's it's very you're not relaxing while you're playing persona q if you have got the music up you oh no, you feel like you're in a battle you, you're your heart's yeah.
5: beating you're yeah. grabbing your uh, 3ds and you're like yeah let's do this
2: yeah you, know. you're not just kicking your feet up with your margarita, you're going ah oh, this is such a relaxing game <laughs>
5: Eventually, I learned that having headphones was wise to keep my co-workers from being extremely dissatisfied.
2: (laughs) Well, and the cool thing is you're pumping that really cool, awesome rock music and those completely nonsensical lyrics right directly into your skull. It's like skull candy.
4: (laughs) For the most part, I play a lot of my games at night when everybody else is asleep. So I, I play a lot of games on mute, but this was one that I remember plugging the headphones in because I was like, I don't want to miss it. I don't want yeah, to miss these.
2: It is totally cool. And it's a soundtrack, just like a lot of Persona games, it's a soundtrack that I'll put on when I'm just, you know, driving down the road or something like that. And they got, uh, there was a, like a concert that I downloaded at one point. So I got the concert of them playing the song, like in front of a live audience. Really cool.
4: Those are some neat versions of it. To see those concerts is pretty cool. Music games that came out last year and, having to hit stuff while the concert was going in the background. It was so distracting because the concert was so entertaining just to watch.
1: Yeah, I've, I felt that way too when I was playing the dancing games. Like, I, I want to <laughs> see this. Yeah. I can't concentrate. It's
4: just too much going on.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, uh, you know, real, I, I know we talked a little bit about how these things have pretty good design work in the dungeon and stuff i like the art direction the menus still have that stylized look it's not at a great resolution because it's a 3ds stretched across a bigger screen on my 3ds excel but but the style is there I, I like the you know it definitely carries over that what was it persona 4 you think it was more persona 4 i think on that styling or was it persona 3
1: yeah, the ui well you know now that i think about it it was a little bit of both because it hmm. was both yellow and blue which was kind of the theme colors
2: hmm I liked it a lot. I really loved the intro. Like, sometimes I... and just like with Persona 4 Golden on my Vita. It was just one of those intros that you could just turn it on and show to people. Uh, with the Vita on Persona 4, just the vibrant colors and the music, very gorgeous. And, and here on Persona Q, has the carousel of life and the, and the animation and stuff. It's just... Sometimes, I, I can't tell you how many times I just went to load up to play another dungeon, and I'm just like, I'm just sitting here and watch the beginning again. It's so cute. The, the intro. I've had that intro right in my that, favorites um, of YouTube
1: ever ever since before the game came out just because it's so entrancing to watch that and the golden intro
2: mm-hmm. yeah. totally um, okay well we're going to wrap this up so I, I kind of think we've all kind of given out our kind of thoughts and opinions on this is there anything big that we've missed before before I give a price quote
1: oh. um, not uh, that Josh, I can think like, of you, no?
5: you've, you've been the quietest by far because you're less enamored with it I think <laughs>
1: No, no
0: no, I think I, I think I've said my piece.
1: I, I think that you and I can't really it. say
5: that your arguments are
0: invalid.
1: No. Oh no, nothing he said is really wrong. Yeah, no, I, I agree with his arguments wholeheartedly. There's some stuff in this game that could have been trimmed or streamlined, but you could do worse on the three D S. No, yeah, yeah.
5: That is true. That is absolutely true. Like like it was and I think all movie. of us have played something worse on the three D S, but that's a whole other matter.
0: It was a weird thing playing it because, like, the first half of that game, I really enjoyed Persona Q, and boy, it just kind of fell off in the second half. And and it didn't really do anything radically different. It's just like it just overstated its welcome for me. I
4: say that may have been the problem for you. It didn't do anything different. It was just the same journey the whole time. See, I
1: can I can tell you without any spoilers that I think they listened to that complaint in the sequel because the last dungeon of the sequel did not go on nearly as long.
2: Hmm. Um. Yeah, you're definitely going to get some value for your money, just like a lot of these dungeon crawlers. It's going to be long in, and long in the tooth. Um. Mm. And and a couple of design things there at the end just made it feel like it overstayed its welcome. Possibly. Um. The prices, you could, you know, uh, I didn't see it. Um. For like a good new price on, on Amazon for just the base game. You can, you can grab like used copies, uh, between 20 and 40 bucks, depending on whether you want the box and things like that. But of course, our listeners always, always deserve the best. Now, when I bought Persona Q, because I just, I just knew I was going to love it, I bought the wild card premium edition, which came with a whole bunch of nice, uh, I think they were like tarot cards or something.
1: Oh, I, yes.
2: I use those in my dungeon. And dragons games by the way where they're gonna visit like a tarot card reader they're really awesome um,
1: I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I remember regretting spending 60 bucks on the fighting game just to get the second half of those tarot cards
2: hmm mm. yeah that's right it only came with 11 that's right so that my group's only getting half the tarot card oh that's kind of sad oh that's why I use yeah. the uh, Final Fantasy tactics tarot cards I got because I got all 20 some tarot yeah. cards on that one
1: yeah that's go. a much better set yeah but that's the probably that's the most true. expensive set of tarot cards I own.
2: Mm, that's true. Now You're, <laughs> no, you're just – and I'm like, oh, that's right. I do use the Final Fantasy. I got like Final Fantasy cards. So anyways, um, that's what our fans demand. It comes with a 38-page art book, uh, Sound of the Labyrinth music CD, uh, and a couple like a, a 3DS XL case, right? A couple of little knickknacks. And you can get that for the low, low price of on Amazon of $299.99.
1: Dang, that's ascended in value. <laughs> huh. uh,
5: I would say that taking the route I took of getting a free review copy is, <laughs> is very nice, but uh, I'm not sure many other people can have that option. Yeah, well... Probably not at this
4: point, but it's on the eShop for uh, $19.99.
2: Well, there you go. Get the eShop uh, version there. Also, I can attest to the fact...
5: The eShop <laughs> thats a digital-only release. Our listeners don't want digital-only; they no. want something they can put on the shelf well, and dis- display.
2: One, one little.
5: up a- by getting through the age gate. I had to turn, type in my
4: age to get to see, even see that
2: right. One little side thing here too, by the way. I found out that when you move from like your one 3DS to another 3DS with it, your maps don't come over because they save to the SD. <laughs> so,
1: oh. oopsie, lost my draw map. drawn maps. Uh, speaking of 3ds, you know that they released a special um, 3ds XL for this? Ooh. It was the Grimoire yeah, yeah. edition. Hmm. No, it was here because I very I saw it used and I very nearly bought it, but decided against it and I regretted it.
2: Hmm. Okay. Uh, well. We're going to take a break because I don't want to lose this hour discussion we've had on Persona Q and not to mention, I just want another excuse for you guys to listen to another nonsensical Persona Q song and we're going to come back. Why? Uh, we're going to get to our main event talking about Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Effie, developed by Atlas, published by Nintendo. Uh, this was released on the Wii U, which had so many games, uh, in North America on June 24th, 2016. This is a single-player RPG experience. And, and you know, the, I have a Wii U. I don't know why. It was a weak moment. And, uh, of course, I had to pick up this game. But in of course, of everything else that's going on, I I really haven't had a whole lot of time to put in it. So I'm dying to hear what you guys have to say so I can move it up or down on my backlog.
3: Well, it's Sharp F.E. for for starters. Sharp Sharp F.E. Sharp F.E. Because, you know, musical music stuff. Yeah. I
1: I will say, if there ever was a reason to actually spend currency on a Wii U, this would be it.
0: At least from the RPG perspective. Yeah, that's about it.
1: I've, (laughs) uh... I've called this the Panzer Dragoon Saga of the because, you
3: know, exclusive late-era release, and the game is really, really freaking good. I mean, there's still a slim chance it'll get ported to the Switch, but each passing year makes it seem (laughs) like
0: It bombed so badly in Japan. I think they oh, just yeah. to didn't do it.
3: that well. much better here, although apparently it sold to expectations, but those expectations might have been very low and they probably weren't. Yeah.
1: Do you think it bombed because it was on a bad system or do you think it bombed because people didn't like it?
3: Like, I think it, a lot of confounding factors. Yes. Unpopular, unpopular system, completely new genre, one on, on a system people don't expect it to be on. Uh, it's not just... quite Persona enough
0: for Persona fans and definitely not exactly what Fire Emblem fans would necessarily yeah, so, expect. Uh, oh, kind no. of weird yeah. mishing of things.
1: Yeah, because I, I was watching some reviews of it today and that was the number one complaint, was that it wasn't enough of either series to appeal to fans of either series. But the fact that it's so unique made me like it even better because it's basically its own thing, just with a little bit
3: of two things that I like. I mean, I I mean, I don't know somebody who is a huge fire Emblem fan and dabbles a lot into Mega Ten, Mega Ten, Mega Me Ten. Say, I thought it actually hit the balance pretty well while being its mm-hmm. own thing. And this has to, this is like this has to be the most original idea I've seen for a crossover yet. It's not just let's throw together a bunch of characters and demons and let them have at it or let them team up. It's like let's take ideas, aspects themes from both of these genres and blend them into something unique.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, to me, that's what made the game so damn good.
3: Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, it's, the, the idol stuff is a little bit odd, but it still it still came out pretty well.
1: And, and plus, this also came out when Persona 5 got delayed for, what, the umpteenth time, so it was nice to have this to kind of tide
3: me over. Okay, uh, should we go into the uh, like the development of the game? Because it's actually a pretty long and interesting story, I thought. Well, maybe not that, that long, but interesting story, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so apparently the idea went all the way back to 2010. At first, Nintendo wanted to do a Pokemon and Fire Emblem crossover, but uh, Pokemon Conquest had come out around the same time. They thought that'd be too similar, so they talked. So Nintendo talked with Atlas about maybe combine, maybe crossing a Fire Emblem with with, with, with Mega Tensei with Shinagami Tensei, and apparently that kind of that stalled for a bit. Uh, about what are these dates? I'm, so a few years later, Atlas went back to to a Nintendo and said, you know what, let's give that crossover idea another try. And so for a while, they kind of bounced ideas back and forth. The very first uh, thought they came up with it was actually a, a strategy RPG featuring both series. But that one kind of got uh, pushed aside because they wanted Atlas to develop the game. But Atlas is much better at doing traditional RPGs compared to strategy RPGs. Mind mm-hmm. you, I, I I envisioned this game, my first idea was that it's going to be Devil Survivor-like, Fire Emblem characters flanked by demons, and I kind of still want that game, even though yeah. I do <laughs> like the final that's, product. I think that's, that's awesome. what
0: we all were expecting. <laughs>
3: like, I still kind of want that game, even though I do like the final product. But um, anyway, so they, they, they poo-pooed that, and they went with what we currently have now, and um, there was a Nintendo Direct, when was that again, like... The game was in such early development; they didn't have any. They had bar- no artwork. Apparently, barely any ideas what to do. So they just threw a bunch of Shin Megami Tensei characters a bunch of Fire Emblem characters on screen and put Shin Megami Tensei cross Fire Emblem coming to Wii U eventually. Mm-hmm. And. Imagination was wild, because we had no idea what it was going to be. They had no idea what
0: yeah. it was going to be. I, I mean, out. it was just listed like, oh, there's just going to be this crossover thing between them. Mm-hmm. It'll be on the Wii U eventually.
3: Exactly. It's just like, and of course, hem- Imaginations went wild, and presumably everybody went down. This is going to be a strategy RPG, isn't it?
0: Mm-hmm. And of course, it,
3: ultimately, it ultimately didn't. And then uh, late, like a few years later, we got the first video of... What was still sort of called Shin Megami Tensei Crossfire Emblem, eventually the Japanese name of Gene uh, Ibon Roku, sharp F-E, came out. Uh, just as a little, uh, this is a little bit of a fun, t- just a- sort of a fun fact. Gene Ibon Roku translates to something like illusory revelation or illusory alternate tale, tying it very loosely to Persona, but also Devil Survivor, because that was also called, get- that was also called Sh- Megami Ibon Roku, Devil Survivor. So, it's like, it's not only just a spin-off of Shin Megami Tensei, it's such a spin-off, it's not even really Megami Tensei anymore, I guess. In a way, so... And then, of course, years later, we finally got the game out, and oh, boy, there was a lot of controversy surrounding that Yeesh.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Because, I mean, for starters, nobody expected this, nobody expected this kind of crossover, nobody expected the idol stuff, and that turned off a lot of people, because uh, they thought it was too frivolous and silly Uh, Not enough of either series, perhaps. Again, this was still early. And of course, later on, we got things like, um, for the English release, we found out that there'd be no English dub, uh, which disappoints me still to this day. And then later, later, people cried foul of the uh, edits done to the localized version. But we don't have to touch down on that too much unless you want to. (laughs) Uh, It's just,
1: uh, they, they definitely had to kind of tone down a lot of the overtly sexual stuff to get a teen rating, because I can imagine Nintendo wanted to appeal to as many bodies as humanly possible for this game, and unfortunately, that's just got part of having to do that.
3: Yes, in fact, like one of the early, like an early trailer, uh, which I think they also had some, showed some gameplay of the uh, Japanese version, implied that it might have gotten an M rating. It also implied that it would have gotten a dub, but neither of those came to light. The dub thing didn't bother me that much because
1: it taking but, place in Tokyo, it made sense.
3: Yeah, but they, both of these franchises are I mean, Atlas does really good English dubs. Fire Emblem now has, does really good English dubs for their games. It just seems like such a wasted opportunity. Yeah. And yeah. I would love to hear like Matt Mercer and Stephanie Shea and um, other people I'm forgetting, right? And I can return to their roles for their Mirages. Uh, what's his name? Who does Varian is escaping me right now. I should know this guy. He's everywhere.
1: I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm a I'm a dub person through and through. Just because I don't hear or I, I have a hard time seeing the text um, when I'm watching a sub, but I really didn't mind it being dubbed at that I mean, sub yeah. that much. I
3: well, mean, I bought the game. Ultimately, some people swore off of it because of the lack of a dub, but. I, I still would have loved that
1: which is funny usually it's the other way around people swear off of it when it
3: doesn't have a voice japanese people the internet
0: just want something to be mad about
3: <laughs> yeah yeah true <laughs> enough and, including all the cries of quote-unquote sent yeah <laughs> I, i'm just kind of glad that stuff shifted away to a diff to dip to mostly to sony but it just just so we could i don't know <laughs> i care a little less <laughs> than that. okay so uh start with the story i guess
0: yeah yeah You probably remember more of this than I do. You've played it more recently.
3: Yes. Okay. So the story, like the the very beginning of the story begins five years before the game itself proper. You see this uh, young girl sitting in an opera house. She's watching two people on stage. You later find out that's her sister, Ayaha, and a uh, famous actor uh, who's the father of another character. His name escapes me right now. Uh, as they're, as she watches them on stage, uh, strange shadows start filling and people start disappearing. Uh, somehow she's protected from these shadows by a strange light. So she's the only survivor from that incident, but everybody else has, in the theater has disappeared, including her sister. Uh, then Man. you flash forward back to five years in the, to the present time. Uh, you meet Itsuki Aoi, who is the main character. He's your general. Nice guy, generic personality. Likes to help people, but otherwise doesn't have much of a personality. The
0: self-insert, you know, that yeah, we always the have. Yeah, basically
3: self-insert that drives me up the wall. But, eh. but and actually, uh, just to we'll go through this because it's kind of funny. Each of these characters' names are ref are fairly obvious references if you know enough Japanese to either the character that they're uh, partnered with, the firearm characters are partnered with, their mirages, or to the class of the character. It's Aoi. His last name means blue, and his uh, Mirage is Krom who has blue hair and, and almost every lord in this, most of the lords in the series have blue hair. Hmm. Uh, so you later, but he's talking to his, uh, like, at first you don't meet him right away. He's talking to his friend Toma Akagi on his, uh, you, you use the game pad. He's basically talking on a cell phone using a, pro, a um app called Topic which is basically WhatsApp. It, that's what, the, what most resembles to me anyway. Um, and his name is uh, Toma contains the characters for horse and Aka means Akai means red. His mirage is Kane who is the Red Knight in a Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon and usually has uh, like two knights representing a Red Knight and a Green Knight in several other games. So hence horse red a Red Knight. Uh he meets he's meets, so supposed to meet up with him but he's a, running a little late. He sees his friend uh Subasa Oribe. Who is a very is very pretty girl? Uh, I, actually, every girl in this game eventually crushes on him, but it's more obvious with her. From her, <laughs> uh, and her in her pun, Subasa means wings. Her mirage is is a uh, Sheda, the Pegasus knight. So there's the obvious connection there. Uh she's there because there is a there's a uh, contest going on to pick a new you know, pick a new idol and she wants to become an idol because her sister Ayaha was an idol. While there though they are attacked by strange beings and uh Subasa is dragged into through a portal how he follows her and ends up in a very strange world. Uh he's not sure where he is but it's definitely not uh simply not you know, it's not Tokyo or at least doesn't seem to be. He follows her and then he gets attacked by a strange uh Shroud, sh- uh, shrouded figure. Later, he manages to uh, awaken him using some strange power, and that's Krom. He meets up with Subasa and she helps to awaken her uh, mirage Sheeta. And eventually, they go through there and beat a boss. Uh, later, they also meet up with uh, with Toma uh, when they finally get out of the um, get out of the uh, this place, which they find out is called the Idolosphere, this strange world. They meet up with Maiko. Uh, Maiko Shizamaki, who is the president of a company called Fortuna Entertainment. She explains to them that that this company is actually a front for a group of people called Mirage Masters. Mirages are strange beings from another world who can bond with people, a very select number of people who have very powerful performa, which is basically the energy of performance and entertainment. And even though not everybody Becomes a performer, everybody has a little bit of this energy apparently, but can become performers or are talented at it, have stronger performa. And every, basically, everybody, or almost everybody except for uh, Itsuki himself, uh, it, it specializes in some aspect of entertainment. Uh, so just because uh, I'll go along from there. And then eventually, they meet like, along with the story, they have to fight back these evil mirages. They're not sure what they're up to, but it does involve stealing performa from people. And eventually, if you're a of your performer, you you do die. Apparently, uh, her sis, Subasa's sister Ayaha, eventually gets saved. Uh, you meet up with mirages of very familiar characters. There are, all the named ones. There's all the named ones comes from two specific games in the Fire Emblem series: Shadow Dragon, the first game, and Awakening, the first one on the 3DS. It makes sense because these games take place in the same world, although they're two thousand years apart. So I'm not entirely sure how that works. Uh, they fight back against these mirages, but this, and they meet up with new characters, uh, after, shortly after you meet Toma, you meet Kiria Kurono. Uh, her partner is Tharja. Kuro means black, and Tharja's a dark mage, so there's your connection there. Uh, she is a very popular, currently popular idol, and Subasa is so, and that, like, she's just so starstruck with her. She's constantly, like, getting nervous around her. She's, and Kiria, I think, is actually pretty cool, mm. uh, personally, uh, later, you meet up with um, the this. Uh, who's at, who, it's uh, Mamory After that, right? I think so. Yeah, so Mamory is she's a child. Star, she's a child star. She works on this uh, silly cooking show on TV. Although she does want to dabble in other areas, like being a singer. Uh, her mirage is. Uh, escaping me right he, he's, he's a character from shadow dragon it's not like those guys have much of a personality
1: um her mirage is
3: I've got he's a it. knight but his, his actual name is a, drog drog it's drog yeah because he, yeah, yeah, he was Barry mirage yeah he was yeah he was barry so I, I guess we could go back to that barry goodman is an american a former rock star who now lives in japan and a bit of an anime nerd um uh, weirdly they, they probably should have gotten somebody with more fluent in english to do him but you know what's done is done yeah <laughs>
6: It's just like, yeah, this
3: guy totally sounds like a native English speaker with that accent. Um, But anyway, but yeah, so she gets the uh, drog and Mamori comes from Mamoru, which I believe either, I believe is derived from the word for shield. So there's your connection to the knight. Uh, After that, after that, you meet Yashiro Sururugi, though he's sort of an enemy at first. He's kind of the lone wolf. I'm going to do things on my own type way until he finally decides, yeah, okay, so we have the same goals, I'll join you guys, but you do have to fight him at one point. Tsururuki is another word for sword, and his mirage is Navar, who is a Maimardin, or sword master, so here's your connection. Also, uh, fun fact, Maiko means dance child, and apparently, according to old notes, they were considering giving her a dancer as a mirage, but that fell through. Although, the only one I could think of they could do is maybe Olivia to fit in with the rest of the from Awakening. Anyway, so they're all assembled and they find out who the actual bad guy behind this is. It's a evil mirage named Garneth, who is this, who is at least named after the Garneth from Shadow Dragon, who wanted to resurrect the earth, the evils, the Shadow Dragon, Medeus, uh, but he was uh, stopped in his original world and the goddess nag the the yeah, goddess naga the divine dragon had sealed away all Performa so he would never return garneth and medius however garneth managed to cross over into the world to the quote unquote real world instead away from the fire emblem world or a fire emblem world cuz there's a there's already a crazy multiverse going on in that place in that <laughs> franchise both franchises really uh you also later find out that he is mirage master to a uh some, like, a, a, some guy, I think he's the president of some other company. His name, uh, he's the producer. Yas, Yatsufusa Hatanaka, who pops up a few times. Later find out that he wants to work with Garden of Keys because he thinks seeing the world ending would be the ultimate show. But this guy makes sense, but whatever. There you go. Oh, I completely forgot about... How could I forget? I completely forgot Eleonora. Eleonora Yuzu, Yur, Yurizumu, who is the archer, and she's partnered up with Varian... Uh, Yuzu is a, uh, it comes from the Japanese word for bow. Yuzu, Yumi, 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 excuse me, Yumi, 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 yumi Yumizuru. And she's also half, uh, she's half European. I think some kind, I want to say Norway, but some, some Northern European country, I think. Um, and that kind of factors a little bit into her background. She wants to be a Hollywood actress. She keeps talking about Hollywood, which is like, you're 16, graduate high school, then think about Hollywood. (laughs) I'm half Scandinavian. Yeah. Okay. Scandinavian. So... Um. Anyway, so okay. So I have to backtrack to her. I forgot about her. I, I do like her. I don't know why I forgot about her. Anyway, so they so uh, is so Garnith, the uh, the dark the evil mirages have created a realm in the real world, the cosmic egg, to bring back Medias into their world. So they have to first track down the pieces of Tiki's Dragonstone. Tiki. I have back, backtracking again. shows up in this game as her young form in Shadow Dragon and um, New Mystery of the Emblem. Uh, she is yet another mirage, but she cannot leave, uh, the, um, that, there's like this place I- at the Fortune Entertainment. The name of it escapes me right now. That looks like their world and she cannot leave there, but that's where you can talk to the mirages and also upgrade them. You can class change them. You can create new weapons called carnages. But anyway, she's kind of stuck. She's kind of stuck there doing all that thing. So she can leave temporarily, but she's a little bit doing her side quest. But anyway, they need to gather her dragon stone to restore her memories. And then after that, they try to stop the summoning of Medeus. Uh, to do that, they have to co- they have to perform the uh, opera of light to defeat the opera of shadow, which would defeat Medeus. The, the, the opera of shadow would resurrect Medeus. The opera of light would prevent his resurrection, or at least weaken him greatly. Um, of course, they go into the idolosphere where the cosmic egg is. Uh, they aren't exact like they aren't quite able to prevent his resurrection, so they have to fight him instead. Uh, Tiki becomes a dragon, they fight him, he's defeated. Uh Garniff is defeated earlier than that, but he still manages to resurrect Medias anyway. And at the end of the game at the end of the game, like most people are like happy pursuing their individual pers- like individual uh, areas of entertainment. If you complete all the side quests, Maiko goes back to being a model. Um, and then Itsuki is the one that becomes president of the Fortune Entertainment. Again, shouldn't this guy graduate first, but whatever. And then, there you go. If anybody remembers anything else, please speak up. There's also lots of different side quests featuring different yeah. characters that I don't remember in detail, but I do remember being pretty neat going into the backgrounds.
1: About, I was about to ask if the side
3: quests did alter what happens at the end of each character. I think, I I know, I, I know, it, it alters Maiko. If you finish all of them, she becomes a, um, she becomes a model again. If not, she's still president. I'm not sure about everybody else. Because when I finish, because I,
1: I finished a couple of people's side quests, but not all of them. Mm-hmm. And the one I remember distinctly is Barry's entire side quest, because you find out about the thing with drug with mm-hmm. him. And um, at the end of his side quest, you find out that he goes back to America and reforms his uh, metal band, Terra Death. which yeah, is-, is the crap out of me because it's a reference to Megadeth.
3: <laughs> I actually, I have no idea if those change or not. It's, I, I did all the side quests. Um, and so I don't know if anything... I do I do know that Finishing Mall fin- changes Maiko's ending, but everybody else, I'm not sure. Okay.
1: I um, wasn't sure, because to, to me, the side quests were kind of like
3: the uh, social links of this yeah, game. Yeah, you learn more about the characters, their background. You, you you probably fight through unique mirages in them. You do meet, like, you, you meet ex- other mirages you want to meet during the game, like you meet Lan Ku during Yashiro's side quest, mm-hmm. who is from Awakening. And it's kind of neat to see a version of him there, uh you you when for uh for toma's side quest you of course meet the able to his cane who is mirage master as a little kid um and i'm trying to think if there's anything else for the other ones not particularly coming to mind right now but yeah so and as i said all the mirage all the mirages that show up are all either awakening or shadow dragon but during in tokyo you do meet a couple of like uh, NPCs who look a lot like other Fire Emblem characters, even from non-Arcanea like Archanea Elise games. In the- There's a cafe where there's a girl that looks an awful lot like Ilyana from Path of Radiance.
6: Mm-hmm. Um,
3: in a Dekarabia shop, you meet uh, the shopkeeper looks like Amy, who is also from Path of Radiance. And apparently in the Anzu shop, there's a girl who's... Her name is Kathy. She's from Fire Emblem, the Binding Blade, which is the GBA one we never got. So I definitely didn't recognize her. Ever. The
1: only the only side character I definitely recognized was uh, Anna the shopkeeper.
3: Oh, of course, Anna the shopkeeper mm-hmm. in the Hee-Ho Mart. Also, and there, Jack Frost sort of shows up as the mascot to hee home Mart. And Black yeah, Frost, which, too.
1: Which amused me. I thought that was kind of a cute little nod to both <laughs> like series. Like the two
3: mascots crossed over. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That that being said, you know people got mad that this didn't really feel like an SMT game. To me, this felt almost exactly
3: like an SMT game with basically the Fire Emblem characters as your personas. Sort of. I mean, you can't summon. It's not like you can't like summon more than one Mirage. So uh, no, but you, you basically got to you know you use
1: their abilities like they were a persona, and your ultimates you're pretty much like riding on them or. And mm-hmm. having team up moves with them and stuff.
3: Yes, yeah, that's pretty neat. So but i mean, but yeah, it's like it's like it's got the it's got the framework of a Mega Ten game and it's got lots of lots of story bits from Fire Emblem, and the enemies are mostly the enemies are mo- like the random enemies are mostly like Fire Emblem classes with the occasional monster that may or may not be from Shimagami Tensei. A lot of them are just like general RPG monsters you'll find anyway, like trolls and such. Mm-hmm. So, but so yeah, so the only demon that well, no, obviously Jack Frost shows up in Heho Mart. You get Dekarabia, the Dekarabia jewelry shop. Um, Anzu sort of shows up in the Anzu shop. It's just a, a man with a lion's head on it, a statue of a, ma- of a man with a lion's head. It's not really like the bird lion Anzu. Mm-hmm. But it's like this, and also all of these, all of the uh, spell names are at least the vast majority of them are Mega with yeah. the occasional like. Like occasionally, like Flux shows up as a dark move, but it's the only dark move I think. But otherwise, it's all Augie and, uh, and uh, you know, everything else like that, mm-hmm. which is pretty. Which again, I think is pretty neat. And then they have other techniques. And uh, the
1: plot, the plot kind of reminded me of Persona Four with people, um, corrupted by the dark massages, kind of reminding me of uh, people being corrupted by shadows in Persona Four.
3: Yeah, so there's some parallels there. It probably like even this like and despite uh, being like a Shin Megami Tensei form crossover, probably takes a bit more from Persona than it does General uh-huh. Shin Megami Tensei or any other any other entry any other entry in the Bass vast meta series that is Mega Ten. Yeah, well, I mean,
0: it was developed by Atlas, so it's kind of to be expected. And it,
3: it, it
1: it makes sense that they would uh, do that because at the time Persona is like majorly popular.
3: So yeah, dead makes a lot of I mean, yeah, it That makes a lot of sense, and I, I think it's neat what they did. The story's like nothing really to write home about. There's not much in the way of surprises at all.
7: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, no, but it's much kind much of much. a
0: fun light romp, though.
3: Yeah. Like I mentioned, like Medius actually had a fairly in-depth backstory in the original games, but here he's not even like he can't even talk. He's just a monster. <laughs> And no, I was like I, half expecting Greema like take his place, but nope, no Greema. I I kind of appreciated
1: that the more light hearted tone of the story compared to other mainline Megaton games.
3: Oh no, for sure, for sure. I do remember thinking maybe this will kind of go a dark way. It never does, but it's uh, probably all the better for it because it's it's hard to take this kind of concept. And it's all well, better for it.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, like it's the uh, total antithesis to like Persona 5, which is all dark and black and red. And this thing is all just light, bright colors and flowers so... everywhere.
3: Oh, it's <laughs> and beautiful. Singing. Lots of singing. The, the, oh, fact,
1: yeah. the fact that the uh, menu screen is characters laying in a
3: field of flowers and it's all the characters you get up at that point. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty neat. And then you know, there's, there's like so many of them by the end of the game. Mm hmm including like barry and micah who don't ever really join your party though they can give you some certain like like certain bonuses during battle or barry shows up during one of marmarie's attacks which is funny Mm -hmm.
0: of course because it was a wii u game it it did have the gamepad support
3: oh Um, i did not like yeah i mentioned that yeah i mentioned like topics is the uh like the uh the, the 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 whatsapp like program that you can talk to characters on they send you messages on it you hear it, or you see, like, a, on screen, you see, like, look at topic, and then you have to read to see what the character sent you. Yeah, I found
1: that frustrating when I first booted up the game, because, you know, I'm all ready to go. Um, I'm in my I'm in my chair. I figured, okay, there's no reason why I need the gamepad for this game. Uh, have a, have a cat in my lap, sit down, hey, check the gamepad. You have a text <laughs> message. I'm like, you gotta be <laughs> effing kidding me. I don't
3: know. I got into I got used I'm not into it. I got used to it. Um but I should say. Yeah, I, I of, Oh go ahead.
0: Okay. I, I kinda of liked it, but it it did have the other thing when you were in dungeons where it would display the map on the screen. Mm-hmm. And I know that's simple, but God I love having the map on a second screen when you're in a dungeon. Like it, you know, it's one of those things I miss from the D S and three D S and it, it's kind it's going to be kind of a gone, you know, a forgotten thing going yeah. forward, but
1: yeah, that
3: was really
1: neat. There's times when I like having the map on the second screen, and times when I don't. Because if the map is constantly up, then that's what I'm looking at, and not necessarily the characters on the screen. If that makes any sense. And that's—I know that that's a me problem, but that's usually why sometimes I kind of don't like having a map on another screen. But that's just me. I can see that. I know I have that problem a lot with Etrian Games.
0: Well, with Etrian games, you're just constantly like, yeah. looking at, like, where am I mapping out next?
1: Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: What's on the top screen is less important when you're just moving yeah, around. Yeah,
1: definitely. <laughs> uh, <laughs> see, what else? I like how busy all the streets looked. I mean, the graphics in this game was, was pretty gorgeous.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, they are certainly pretty nice, everybody. The models are... Uh, quite nightlessly. They, they don't move in like an they don't move in an awkward way they're very expressive and what's they kind of do the sort of shortcut when you're running through tokyo most people are just these colored silhouettes moving past each other you can't do anything with them but whenever you see somebody full like fully pictured you can actually talk to them
1: i mean it makes the streets look as busy as i imagine tokyo being yeah, without it, being it is, distracting yeah, it is quite
3: busy. i've been there um uh, so. And it's a neat little short. It's a neat little shortcut, I think. Yeah, and
1: I love
3: how exciting the
1: battles.
0: Oh, I love the battle! This is probably this may be my absolute favorite iteration on like the uh, press turn battles. I
1: mean, you're you're in a huge stadium. You're on the jumbotron. People are cheering for you. Every single attack just feels as lavish and extravagant as possible, and you really feel like you're putting on a show.
3: Yeah, and I love how later on you get all these, like, lot, lots of moves can, fo- characters can follow up with the moves, if especially if, if you get a, a, if you strike an enemy's weakness or maybe hit a critical. So it's just like combos after combos. Later you get to do duo arts and two characters can perform a very big flashy attack. Um, it's really, really neat, and I love that sort of stuff, exploiting weaknesses and combination attacks. It can get a little bit, uh, like a long, a battle can get a little long in the tooth, and I kind of wish it was a way to maybe speed it up during a a random attack. But especially, like, Mm -hmm. during boss fights, it is, I just love seeing these play out, the duo arts attacks play out, uh, the various different special moves. Oh, and, uh, uh, what were those called? Like, when you do a regular skill, but then... Um instead they perform a slightly different skill. I am forgetting what that's oh. called right now. Oh, that's for- always neat when that activates. I forgot what that was called. Uh, too. What was that called again? Drat. It's uh but yeah, for instance, um uh, it is escaping me right now. What are they? I don't called? remember what
0: that was. Stringing them together was session attacks. Yeah, it's I don't don't real remember. Sessions,
3: but like you use a skill and then instead of using that exact skill, you perform an alternate one. You also unlocked them. During, like, if you do side quests. Special performances, that's a special uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. it, and special performances. Uh, for instance, um, if you uh, activate skill for Kyria, she'll instead perform her, like, she'll sing the song, the like, the Labyrinth, which is probably one of my favorites in this game. And then she'll perform an extremely powerful ice attack and will like, wipe out all the enemies then and there. It's always neat when you see that come up and the song plays. And a character does something different.
0: I, I think the way they integrated like some of the weakness, tri- you know, the the weapons triangle essentially mm-hmm. from Fire Emblem kind of worked really well with the Shimigami Tensei press turn and mm-hmm. all the weaknesses they use. Because like one of the drags of like a Persona or Shimigami Tensei game is like every single time you fight a new enemy, like you you basically go through that thing where you have to like try all your different <laughs> types it, of right? yeah yeah fire mm-hmm. ice figure out what they're weak to
3: and, and hope they don't exploit.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly especially well, think yeah when you get is
3: rare in this game it did they did have like uh you know null damage and i and uh and i think absorbed once in a while but i don't think it was ever a reflect game. i
0: don't think so but but the cool thing was that like a lot of times in this game you could kind of figure out just by looking at the enemies like what things they'd be weak to anytime there was a flying enemy okay i just need to pull Archer and uh, attack him with that and then i'll yeah, go ahead win. and have my win weakness Yeah, win too. Yeah, exactly. So you could kind of figure out a lot of that stuff just from the, you know, kind of like intuit that kind of stuff out, and kind of cut down on some of that Mm -hmm. blind uh, guesswork. Yeah, yeah, the blind guesswork that SMT games so often have.
3: Oh, right. Adlib performances was what I was thinking. Adlib performances is when you do one skill and then the character does something different. Uh, That's all. That's the one that I'm thinking. Like the Labyrinth and Flyer Wind and Arrow of Destiny, Raging Stampede, that stuff.
1: And speaking of which, um, you're talking about pulling in the archer. Being able to swap out characters on the fly is such an awesome thing in this game. Because you don't feel like you're just kind of chained to the three same characters every single time.
0: No, it has that Final Fantasy X thing where you're just constantly changing characters in and hitting weaknesses and pulling together these really long session attacks and, yep, you know, kind of, like, useful. juggling enemies. I, like, I really enjoyed the battle system. It was a ton of fun.
3: Yep, lots of fun. Could have been a little faster in spots, but loads of fun, and I definitely enjoyed it. And, I the heck, if they ever got a follow-up, if they ever got a
0: follow-up. Or... <laughs> oh, man, it sold so badly in Japan. I think it was, like, 30,000 units. Yeah.
3: I
1: appreciated the dungeon design a lot in this game too. It felt like the dungeons had very unique mechanics and um, didn't. I mean, they could be frustrating. Like the t- the TV one definitely oh, kind of had oh, TV had, one oh, had me tearing one.
3: my hair out a little bit. Eventually, I remember like taking snapshots of the screen to make sure that I can remember what sequence the numbers were. <laughs> yeah, I was did like, that okay. too. And then I had to fall like follow Okay, one, two, three. Ah, no, not that one. And then, like, you have to go back to that dungeon, and I remember getting so confused as to how to do that puzzle again. Mm -hmm.
1: I know I got really frustrated in the opening dungeon. You had to move the mannequins to move the dolls uh, in that huge three-story area because I was Mm -hmm. trying to figure out how to get all the chests
3: yeah, that's a that was Shibuya. I think the one o. Oh, what did they call it in this game? It wasn't the one o oh nine. Was Whatever. it one o six? One o six. It's just Japan for some reason just loves to change that number, and so much so that I have to re, I have to take a moment to remember what the actual number is. <laughs> like like you know, it's not the one o four. It's not the one o six. Not the one o eight. It's not the nine o one. It's not the ten so, Q like Super Gals had.
0: So yeah, most of the game took place in Shibuya and Hirojuku.
3: Yeah but, in, yeah, but yeah, but she, yeah, she, yeah, in Tokyo, which yeah, uh, yeah. kind of fits in with um, Shin Megami Tensei, because apparently to be a proper mainline Shin Megami Tensei, it has to take Tokyo. That's why Strange Journey was not considered Shin Megami Tensei.
1: Oh, I didn't realize that was the distinction.
3: Yeah, that's a distinction. If you're ever wondering, to be a mainline series, it must take place in Tokyo.
1: So no wonder four technically counts.
3: Yes, that's why four technically counts. But Strange Journey does not, despite being the better... There, I said it.
1: No, I, I concur.
3: <laughs> a lot of people didn't like Strange Journeys. No. Nope, uh, oh, but did we ever mention Phil should be chiming
5: in here, but he isn't.
3: God, oh, ah,
2: I okay. was deep in thought and, and okay. about other strange things. Strange Journey, evil Strange Journey. Then
3: Shinnokami Tensei Four. Yep. Really? Yes.
2: Yeah. Yes. It's better than Shinnokami Tensei, Both Shin Tensei yeah. Four.
1: Both Shinnokami Tensei
2: Four. Oh, I just moved those down on the backlog. Oh, they just <laughs> lost a few notches.
1: <laughs> oh. I mean, they're playable, but Strange Journey was so much better. But that's yeah. another podcast for another. I will time. say, I
2: mean, everyone knows. I yeah, I, I really S- like shit. Strange it's Journey is awesome. is the favorite, my favorite game that kicked my ass. So I still I liked it, and I know like the, I got the new. I liked it so much that I did get the new one, the redo, the Redux, uh, whatever it's called.
1: The redux, new one, yeah. it, the yeah. new redux. one does fix a lot of problems. Redux. It's,
2: yeah. So one day I'll get around and play that. Maybe I'll actually beat it this time because I think it's worth a second trip. I, I did really enjoy it.
1: But um, let's talk about the music, which is a huge aspect. What can I thing.
3: do for you? No. You know, I mean, almost related. But no. <laughs> but
2: people scary. sing. There's 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 music signs and stuff. Yes, it's, like it's like Final Fantasy Jap- X-2. It's
3: all, it's all in Japanese, too.
2: Uh,
3: what you gonna mean to do? I, You know,
1: it's, it's funny. I'm not a huge J-pop fan. This game kind of made me like J-pop. Just because of how catchy the songs are.
3: Yeah, I had grown out of my well. I didn't have much of a J-pop phase. It was more like, a hey, this song, this you know, this anime song's pretty cool. And it's J-pop, but I do really enjoy the the uh, the vocal songs in this game. Uh, like the first time I heard Reincarnation for the trailer, I just I knew I would love this game, even though other people were just baffled at it. I just like it was just full of energy. Apparently has a slight dark theme to it, and uh, Kiria the or uh, Japanese voice actress anyway, whose name escapes me right now has a really good voice and so it's uh, that became one of my favorite favorite songs quickly and then you get her she has a later song labyrinth um subasa's songs are pretty I mean they're all pretty good except for I, I found like Mamari has this uh, silly little kids song uh, like through the tunnel or something but I guess she works kids just not that strange but she did yeah. have that uh that was it raindrop memories. uh mm-hmm. balance really pretty
1: yeah, I I definitely like the opening song the best. That, probably because I just heard that one the most. Um, I like the bat the in game battle music quite a bit.
3: Yes, yes, uh, yeah, yeah. The regular battle theme is pretty ca- it's it's pretty good, pretty catchy. Uh, probably but better than a lot of other like regular battle themes I've heard. Uh, although a lot of the instrumental stuff is kind of forgettable, I find. Uh, they, I guess I guess they spent a lot of time on the vocal tracks. They've got like actual writers for. Um, or idol Music and J-Pop to work on this game, as I understand it. Mm. Which makes sense. I, I did not know that. In fact, yeah, one that... of the composers shows up, I, I forgot his name, like, one of the composers for the game, one of the uh, writers of the music, shows up as a minor character. <laughs> uh. name, I think you save him from one of the dungeons, I think, but I can't remember his name, uh, which I thought was just a little touch. I mean, very few people would ever get that reference, I imagine, especially in America, but... Mm-hmm. No, that was way over my head. Yeah, well, what was his name again? Anyway, so, and... Uh, and you also get like some of these, some, like two, like two characters singing at once. You have Give Me between, uh, Kiria and Tsubasa. You had, um, what was that one called? Dream Catcher with Tsubasa and Eleonora. Uh, I quite like those. Uh, even Tiki gets, uh, oh, Tiki, did we mention that what Tiki actually, it, like in the real quote unquote real world, Tiki is basically, uh, Hatsune Miku, except she's called an Utaloid, not a vocaloid ah uh, he's utaloid tiki and i really wondered if we were going to find an utaloid like uh no way an utaloid nah but that never happened
0: <laughs> and uh, now that sega owns atlas i could only think about what would what would be in now since <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh yeah happy but anyway so, so yeah she's basically a vocaloid and you hear two of her songs uh especially like the second one um not an Illucinary world which is pretty good uh, oh, and the uh, the final the 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 opera of light is the cheesiest, awesomest thing I've ever seen. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've got the characters like it's the opera of light performing. It's the, the song they performed to to help defeat medius includes part of the uh, the Fire Emblem theme, and I can't help but sing along every time I hear it, <laughs> or try to anyway. Fire Emblem. Yeah, I just love that. Orny <laughs> attack, but I love it. Um, also it's am... a, a slight spoof to an a quote unquote uh, co- to an old commercial for the very first Fire Emblem, so that's a neat
1: Ah. Uh, see, I'm glad we had you on because I
3: I don't know a lot of the older Fire Emblem games, so a lot
1: of the stuff was kinda
3: lost on me. Uh yeah, I just um <laughs> I, I guess I did get to appreciate all those little nods to the rest of, uh, series more. I don't know if it's uh, the exact same song, but definitely the whole, it's an opera and singing out fire emblem uh, comes from that. definitely comes from that commercial.
1: Um, one thing I liked about the cool music videos in this game is mm-hmm. that afterwards you got a lot of those um, outfits that they wore as costumes to be able to wear in battle. Yes. So the main character, I pretty much always had that one. Uh, I don't know. It was in his video where he, Was on stage, and he had, like, the shoulder pauldrons, and to me, kind of looked like David Bowie.
3: Uh, Was that uh, Yashiro? Yeah. Yeah, so the sword. Oh, wait, no, it's it's Suki, yeah, it's Suki's outfit. Oh, oh, Itsuki, okay, never mind. Yeah. Okay, I I constantly had to, I kept uh, Kiria and Mamori in alternate costumes, because their Mirage Master outfits were working. I I could not, like I, I know it's not a game to be taken seriously, but I really could not see them in those outfits every time they fought.
1: Yeah, Kitty's outfits were a little bit weird with the eye patch and stuff yeah. like that. I I much preferred the the bikini with the fur collar and
3: yeah, yeah. Her 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 normal street clothes are pretty cool, mm-hmm. so I kept her in that or something else. And Mama Marie's weird armored bunny suit—I don't know what that was. I had no idea what that was. So she basically just—I think she's just, kept her in a kimono most of the time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: See, I hardly ever use her. I mostly just stuck with the first three characters: Itsuki, Subasa, and Torma.
3: Yeah, they, they, I, mean, I guess they're the three amigos. But I like to switch around to everybody because I yeah. like to see them. You know, I like to see them fight. I, I like to see them activate their ad libs and their other special moves. Uh, so yeah, all that was pretty neat. Um, let me see anything else we can? So yeah, music's pretty cool. Uh, anybody got anything else?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm blanking. <laughs> Price Honestly. check on aisle five. I mean, if you have a Wii U and you want something to play, this is definitely it. I'll, you you I'll
2: gotta get. It. You gotta get. It's twenty five bucks. You can really? afford twenty five well, bucks. Yeah,
3: that that's probably. I mean, snatch it up now because this game's gonna get pretty. The dang
2: special rare. edition. Yeah. The special edition, not nearly as expensive. as Persona Q, seventy dollars.
5: Hmm. Wait, 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 let's let's get into this. What other Wii U exclusive games are there still that are worth getting? Because Nintendo's um, ported most of them to the Switch by now. Is
3: Xenoblade X worth getting? I yeah. haven't
1: played that yet, but... Xenoblade, I mean, I like Xenoblade X, even though it is it is very long.
5: Bring a magnifying glass.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 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 that's
2: <laughs> funny. Oh, yeah, that's,
5: um, still, that's the one with the tiny text, isn't it? Oh, that's oh, so yeah, funny. Yeah. yeah. That's
3: funny. And again, it's, I, I mean, it's still not impossible for those games to get ported. It's just getting less and less likely and since they're yeah. mostly done porting Wii U games. Xenoblade
0: would. Xenoblade probably has a chance. Even yeah, yeah at at least
3: the, a higher chance than Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Yeah, they TMS.
0: To, it's not looking good. Oh, oh, didn't
3: didn't we, to do, we didn't mention. We still didn't mention this. TMS is the opposite of SMT. There. Oh yeah. Oh,
1: I did not pick up on that. But the, the only problem with porting Xenoblade would be the second screen gameplay, though, because you had the map. And that's mm-hmm. how you ported.
0: Yeah, I don't that know. would be... They, they could work something out.
1: I would hope so. Um,
3: it would be easier in that aspect because it needed a second screen for the topics. So it was just there.
1: Yeah, no, that's why I was pissed that they pretty much forced you to use the touch screen for
3: that. Mm-hmm.
1: It was very annoying.
3: And darn, if it does ever get that port, English dub, please. Dual audio.
1: I mean, at this point, I would be just happy just to get it ported just so that more people can play it. Because well, yeah, it, it guess, is...
3: And- Make a make the chance of a sequel slightly higher. <laughs> oh yeah, oh. I'm increasingly impo- impossible now. I oh, mean, it just
1: it I upsets can... me that such a good game is on such a subpar console.
3: Yeah, yeah. What can I therefore... do for you? I mean, what's uh, what's the last time Nintendo even acknowledged that game? It shows up as a, as a, as a, as a it, I think it shows up as a, it shows up as a spirit in um, Smash Brothers, and I think that's the last they ever acknowledge it.
1: It's <laughs> you their can't new keep Earthbound off
3: as a spirit.
5: Well, if that's the case, then we'll have to wait 20 years for it to get re-released.
1: Or for it to get a cult following.
5: Huh. No, Earthbound had a cult following long before it got re-released.
1: Really? Because I felt like that the Earthbound thing was like a recent
3: thing. If, if by recent, you mean the mid-2000s.
1: Well, yeah, put it this way, people didn't like Earthbound when it was relevant, but...
3: Well, yeah, that's true. I think it got a little bit of attention with Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. It was Mother 3 that really brought it about. Yeah, I guess that's true. So that oh. was yeah, that was mid 2000s.
5: Yeah, I played it for the first time in 2001, though I can't remember what I paid for. it. I just remember I found it on eBay, and it wasn't too expensive. Which ha that doesn't that's changed.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's probably one of the few Super Nintendo RPGs that I don't have in my collection, and at this point, I probably never will, unless I get lucky at a garage sale.
5: Wait, Kelly, do you have Evo the Search for Eden?
1: Uh, you know, technically that counts too. I forgot about that.
5: I I've never played it because I would want to play the uh, an actual copy and even when I looked 15 freaking years ago, it wasn't easy to find.
1: I think the most expensive game in my Super Nintendo collection is Tactic
3: um Ogre Battle.
5: Oh yes.
3: But I digress. Oh, random I fact! Really for some reason, they aged up Subasa from seventeen to eighteen in the American version.
1: Yeah, um, I thought they aged up a lot of the younger characters because of. I'm the not whole sure
3: about anybody else though. I think Eleanor is still six; she's the youngest. And she's okay. And Marie is still twelve.
1: I mean, getting into some of the stuff they changed, I didn't realize until I look was researching today that the um crap. I'm just blinking on her name now. Uh, who? Maiko. Co, Maiko, uh, yeah, yeah. That brother. she was... Um, I'm blanking on the name of the special kind of model
3: she was She's now. A, a gravure idol. Like They yeah. called her a model in the Ameri- in North American version, but she's a gravure idol, basically dressed up in bikinis and skippy outfits. And yeah.
1: Them. Yeah, learning that today, I was like, oh, I had no idea that was a thing, and then finding out that they basically had to change her whole dungeon because yeah. of
3: that. They also had. They also had uh, Subasa instead of dressing up in a like uh, changing to a bikini to uh, get the Mira- the mirage to come out. For that, she just changed it to this strange outfit and somehow put on more clothes. Like found run and put on more clothes.
1: <laughs> yeah, which was like, oh, dear. why are you just afraid of being a model? Oh, <laughs> because that's, oh, that's not what why. it. That's no, not yeah. what it originally was. No, not original. I don't know. Just changes like that fascinate with what they come up with to <laughs> get around some of that stuff. Yeah
2: well cool well I think that's that's been a good wrap up and I think you've pretty much convinced me that I really need to bump this up on my backlog
0: yes gotta, to, gotta pull out the Wii U
2: I need to pull out the Wii U Cut I need it to off. I need to play this in Xenoblade Chronicles X and then I can sell it cause everything else has been ported over to Switch so everything uh, else I have on there I I'll don't think I have any other around. exclusives
1: I'll mainly keep mine around because it has the superior version of Twilight Princess which is my favorite 3D Zelda game mm. That's true, but if it never gets
3: ported,
2: and most importantly, it really is the only way to play Monster Hunter Three in HD. Let's let's be honest here: playing it on your DS and then having it come up on your on your screen on your TV because you can do that whole transition thing back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, your character is really cool, uh, but yeah, cool. All right, well, we're gonna take a, we're gonna take a break and we're gonna come back and wrap this up with the final lap. So stand on by.
7: I to it's a place I Che
2: return this is the final lap where we kind of do the kitchen sink stuff and whatever have you um you know i think we're just gonna jump into we're running a little bit late here so we're just gonna jump right into the round table let's see who's still here old new guy ancient new guy you're still here
4: ancient new guy thank you for the title yeah yeah what what,
2: what's new with you what have you been playing what have you been doing what's going on
4: Well, since last we spoke, I had a uh, summer of building. I have uh, powered through both Dragon Quest Builders one and two.
2: Oh, God bless your heart!
4: About two months. Ah. Honestly, never knew that those games were
2: that long. They're long. I go on forever.
4: The first game I beat in a span of about twelve days. Was on vacation and had a lot of time at night. Must have put in four or five hours every night for about twelve days and. Three years after it came out, Vita um, allowed me to play quite a bit. Uh, and then beat it just in time for the second game to come out. And that was a really great experience. I been condensed, especially near the end, but my kids really loved watching it. That little guy, Malroth, joining you at all the points was just great.
1: Uh, be careful how much sto- story stuff you get into, because I am playing this right now.
4: Well, I'm not going to get into the story. It was just okay. a good game. It, it does drag a little bit at the end, but it, I guess playing Minecraft or something, your experience may... I haven't played Minecraft. I have really no interest in it. Um, I went into these games completely for the Dragon Quest part of it, and earlier tonight I look on uh, like Facebook groups about these people that have built the entire Notre Dame Cathedral in there and have built all these structures... And I'm very proud of my like eight by eight mud buildings. And I'm like, yay. Um,
5: so I'm not an architect. I do not plan to ever be an architect. I can appreciate good architecture without attempting to emulate it. Yeah, I have no <laughs> it's <like> great architecture. <laughs>
4: I have no interest in emulating these things. I do what the game tells me to. I check off the boxes and I move on. It's a pretty good story. It was a pretty good game. So that was pretty much my entire summer playing those two. I slipped a little other game in there that I swear I heard somebody kind of offhand mentioned on a backtrack and backtracks in the past year and a half, so I couldn't even tell you what. But somebody brought up a pinball RPG, Rollers of the Realm.
5: Oh
2: yeah, I remember that. That might have been Me, maybe I don't know. It might have
4: been. I I remember hearing it at one point. Yeah, I was looking on a Vita sale this summer and I was like, Look at this for like three dollars.
2: Did you do it? Did you pull the trigger? I did.
4: Oh, I did. It it was a six hour game, it was six hour stops.
2: Hey, three bucks, six hours. That's pretty good. ROI,
4: yeah. So, I mean, it turned out pretty was it a fun
2: six hours? I was
4: actually disappointed when it ended. Well, there you go. I could have gone back and redone stuff, but I, like, took all the different paths. Um, I opened up quite a few of the characters. You could actually buy other characters, which were represented by different pinballs that could do different things. And I think it was only in the last hour or two that I realized that I could use the right joystick to affect the way the ball went a little bit. Oh. i up near the end, and I'm like, how am I ever going to get a ball into that spot? Like, there's no line of sight. Like it's going to be ridiculous to bounce that ball in there. Then I realized it was kind of like tilting the machine by pressing that button,
2: mm-hmm. pretty
4: much. But it mm-hmm. was just enough to get those little shots that you wanted. Cool. One of what am I playing right now? Playing Grandia.
5: I had to try out the new. Which now I know Phil will chime in that Grandia Three should have been included. But oh my god, you it cannot, should have been. And like anything Grandia called
2: Grandia Collection, you should just put them all in there. You cannot have enough no Grandia. Not to.
5: Grandia yeah. 1 is an excellent, amazing, awesome game, and I can say that because I played it on the Saturn, which meant I was playing it in Japanese, and I still had a complete blast.
2: Ah, oh, game's so good. All the Grandia games are good. Even when they're bad, they're good. Even the worst Grandia game, which was, which one was it, Mike? Extreme. Yeah, even Extreme is extremely good. Just, just play it. Oh my god, so good. I'm
4: an extreme apologist. I love that. Oh my gosh. You know, you, you go in there completely for the combat, not for the.
2: That's
5: right. Sorry. Yeah. One. So but, but Mark Hamill voices the villain.
2: All right. All right. <laughs> Get it from Mark Hamill, but stay for the combat. Just do yes. it. Yes. Yeah.
4: So now the the collection's pretty good. I think I'm about twenty some hours into Grandia One, and and all the rewards for every little battle, like ooh, I leveled up my my water magic or something. It's it's just very rewarding much more so than a game that I've been trying to review for hmm, maybe two months now. Um, Super Neptunia RPG. Blame the compile heart. You're still on that, huh? On that. Gosh, I cannot bring myself to play that for more than like 30 maybe 40 minute stretches. And it's only a 20 hour game. But i maybe put in an hour a week because it's just so boring. Just so boring. And you, you get lost. labeled. Attacks aren't labeled. So I'm in battle, and I don't know what I'm doing. Buttons and different attacks are going. And I'm in a world map, and nothing's labeled on the world map. I'm like, well, maybe I'll go here, and that's where I'm supposed to go. Other than that, it's not.
5: Well, so that's, uh, that's clearly an homage to older RPGs uh, where you didn't have any handholding, and you just, oh, I'll just have to explore everything that is currently available, and eventually I'll find the right thing. Exactly. And what's sad is they cut down the dialogue
4: in this game to almost the bare minimum. It's the exact opposite of all the other games that we talked
5: about a couple months ago. There's no long, long... Well, it's good to know that not necessarily a problem, but a definite feature of this series has been mostly removed in an effort to get people who probably weren't interested in it before to still not be interested in it. Exactly. They took out so much text.
4: They took out the map, town descriptions. They took out the battle. Hey, the X button is doing this fire attack. Now they took out so much text. They took out stuff that you need to see on the screen during the time.
1: You know what I think? Eventually. I think when we um, were complaining about the, uh, the the, Wow, I can't talk. This series, we wished on a monkey's paw that they would have, they would have less text, and this is what you get. They're like, oh, they, they you took want it to extreme. Text. Well, how about yeah, extreme? We remember- yeah. <sighs>
5: so the old axiom: we'll the be review what but, you wish for, you might just get
4: it. You know, this review will be an interesting one to write whenever I finish it.
5: I rest my case tonight. Good luck. <laughs> good night and good. luck.
2: Ah, oh, Ramos.
3: Not too much going on since last time, which wasn't that long ago. Still plugging far too slowly through Fire How's it? Skip. Um, still having a lot of fun with it, though. Just really wish I had more time. Uh... And uh I guess uh, I guess there's a recent dish uh, there's a recent dish monthly feature coming up that I need to remember for, <laughs> although I feel like I've played that much of that at Is all. the one that
5: Josh would be able to tell us about if he hadn't needed to go to bed
3: yes, yes, that's the same one. I guess I don't have a lot to write i, I also I, I actually I don't know if I mentioned this before i've been playing uh also been playing super Paper Mario uh for the Wii though I'm using it on the Wii U because I still have that thing out. Hmm. Uh, believe it or not, and actually enjoying that immense like a lot more than I thought I would, since it's uh, like, it's more like a platformer with RPG elements than an RP- than a typical paper- original Paper Mario RPGs two.
5: I remember like, our very like, own Adrian Dennouden really, really liked it.
3: Yeah, he really liked it, and it, it's caught me by surprise a lot of times. There's this uh, spoof of a dating sim that I told totally, oh, one totally didn't expect, and two, I'm surprised didn't get spread out more. Like everybody quotes that screen. Like I like to go onto internet forums and complain about games. Plain, but nobody mentioned the, the dating sims uh but I, I'm, a, I'm actually liking them. i'm almost done with that as well so i guess i could write about that and what little i played a far and but otherwise yep not much going on
2: okie dokie mm, what else somebody else
1: red rock i can uh, yes i can chime in um so josh and matt and wheels are a very bad influence on me because they finally twisted my arm enough to play yo Watch 3. Woohoo! <laughs> and it, it's kind of funny because they were talking about how Yokai Watch 3 had a very, very, very shallow run. So I was like, well, let's pull up the GameStop and see if I can find a physical copy. And there was one all the way on the other end of town that turned out to be a Yo-Kai watch one that somebody mislabeled. So in, in a bid for excellent customer service for GameStop for once, they had, um, ordered me one from Colorado to make up for the mistake. And so I got a physical copy. Um, I'm amazed at how cute and lighthearted that game is. Um, I forgot, did you guys do a Yo-Kai Watch backtrack? We did. We did. Okay.
5: This is past spring.
1: Okay. I, I'll be able to do the at, three. At the,
5: it, at the immediate in, and hardcore insistence of one Matt and one Mike Apps. Yeah, yeah. I think
4: we did it right around when Yo-Kai Watch 3 came out
5: that kind of problem. And we, we make, had trouble getting you to to focus your efforts on the ones that were actually backtrack eligible.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yes,
4: we, we might have kept referring to a third one. Oops.
1: Well, to be fair, I had a very hard time not to compare Persona Q, uh Persona Q2, Q2. cuz I just <laughs> finished that. Mm-hmm. It was similar. But um but yeah, I I'm surprised at how much I'm enjoying this game. It's been, it's been kind of a palette cleanser after the direness that was, um, Fire Emblem Three Houses. Because let's face it, that game is a very dark and broody kind of game. And I wanted to play something that was, you know, just a little bit more, I don't know, a little bit more fun, uh, f- fun in the lighthearted sense. And I've been really, uh, really enjoying it. The, with yo Watch three taking place in America, some of the jokes have had me in stitches. Like when Jibanyan comments the uh, or meets an American cat and says, "Well, what do you mean meow? I say Nian, Which, if if you don't know, Nyan is the Japanese onomatopoeia for meow, and that little bit just kind of tickled me pink as well as the ridiculous Southern accents.
4: <laughs> it's a complete other language.
1: Yeah, yeah, it. it re- it really makes me wonder just how all that went down in the original game, or in the original Japanese.
4: Yeah, that was great. That was uh, the, uh, I think I've talked about it on all our podcasts now. What was the translation? Oh, the lion Yeah. That is a lion. That that was a good one.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the puns have been great. Um, I think I'm on chapter three of uh, the boy's story. Right now, I just finished um, chapter two of the girl's story. Oh, and the other thing that's had me in stitches is um, folly and blunder, which ah. I thought, which I thought, you know, this has got this has got to be an X Files parody. And then they put whip out a thing called the Y Files, it's, like,
4: it's on the nose.
1: Yeah, yeah.
4: It, so. They leave no room for interpretation.
1: I know. Well, the way that they did it, it, was just, it made me wonder, and then they whip out the Y-files, and it's like, yeah, there's no question there. Um,
5: there are worse things to reference.
1: Uh, and they, they, well, they're following you It could you have around. been
5: Mama's family in some kind of way.
1: Oh, jeez. <laughs> they're following you around because they think that the yokai are UFOs, at least as far as I know in the story that I've kind of played through so far.
4: I mean, you are talking to ghosts, mm-hmm. basically, so, you know, that falls into the X. Ex-
1: Mm-hmm. And then the only, well, I've been playing Dragon Quest Builders, who Matt already talked about that, and the only other thing I've really been doing is being in kind of, I'm leaving the country in three weeks. What all do I got to get done before I leave, leave the house?
3: How
4: did your Japanese lessons go the past few months?
1: Uh, truth be told, I got really busy and really stressed out because of my sister being ill, so we kind of stopped messing with them. And plus, um, my husband was like, yeah, I think that you would benefit from actually taking a class instead of me just kind of tutoring you. And unfortunately, all the classes at my university are during my normal work hours. So (laughs) at some point, I'm going to at least try to take a class. But for now, I know just enough to get by. Um, Luckily, we're staying mostly around the Tokyo area. So um he said or my husband said that they know a lot of English there and if not then I'll just lean on my husband for help. Um but yeah, I'm I'm very excited when I saw just how many toy stores were in Akihabara alone. It's like my wallet is going to be in so much pain by the time I get back to the US.
5: Watch yourself. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Rabbit <laughs> hole to go down.
1: I can't I can't help it. Toy, toys and video games are my weakness.
5: <laughs> don't let your credit card interest rate <laughs> own you.
1: No, I don't I don't have a credit card, just a debit card.
5: Okay, so long as you're not going into crippling debt over
1: there. Oh no, no, no. I I I can't I we only have a credit card for emergency, so but I, I myself don't have a personal one just because I know myself. <laughs> <laughs> They like Earth, earthbound, earthbound, earthbound. That's an emergency, right?
5: <laughs> sure, it is. You don't. You don't need to stay in your house next week, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, no. Or ever again. <laughs> I, th- I think. Th- I think the thing I'm actually looking forward to the most is the Japanese Pokemon Center, because um, I, I I check the American one at least once a week just to see what new swag they get and the fact that you know they're like six months ahead of us for that swag. I just can't wait to see what kind of stuff that they don't have here. Um, particularly since they're releasing the uh, the Pokemon Fit plushies for um, Johto. Which I don't know if you guys know about those plushies or not. No, they're, they're basically like the Beanie Babies and the thing is that they've made Pokemon into plushies that they've never made before. Well, at least as far as I know, they've never made before. Like, I finally have a legitimate Persian Plushy. Okay. Uh, I'll be able to get some of my favorite Johto ones like uh, Lady Bu and uh, who else? Octillery, that kind of stuff.
4: So some of the lesser known ones that aren't really super popular mm-hmm. over here and everywhere. Yeah.
1: yeah, I'm hoping that they'll get all the way to um, Ruby and Sapphire just so that I can get a Zangoose who's one of my favorite Pokemon of all time who never gets any toys. But yeah, um, I will be gone for two weeks. Two weeks in September, so... Take me with you!
4: So basically, oh. when you get back, you're going to have no money for the 75 RPGs that are releasing in September?
1: Oh, God. um, Just having to stop my mail alone, because I've already pre-ordered a Genesis Mini, which is coming out while I'm gone, but I can't pass that up because it's a Genesis Mini, and I'm a Genesis kid. <laughs>
5: And you know that if you don't get one now, they will become out of print and incredibly hard to find.
1: I don't think it will be as bad as Nintendo was about that kind of stuff, but I'm not taking any But chances. you don't want to take a chance. No. I mean, it couldn't be worse than the PlayStation Classic where they can't give those away at 20 bucks.
5: <laughs> ah, Sony. Yet another instance of Sony miscalculating.
1: Yeah, they they got too big for their britches there.
2: Stupid Sony. What about you, Mr. Mickey? What's new with you?
5: It's funny that we're talking about this right now because I found, what was it, 18 UMDs. And they were not games. They were all movies. Things like Triple X, Family Guy, Season 2, Triple X, State of the Union, Uh (laughs) I picked those up for two bucks from a, from a thrift store that had no idea what to do with them. And they'd been sitting there for a month. And then I sold them for 40 bucks because somebody wanted all of that. Don't ask me why.
1: Man, somebody, one
5: wanted, per- somebody wanted Casino Royale on UMD.
1: <laughs> I mean, I know they say one person's trash is another person's treasure, <laughs> but my God. So that made me kind of happy
5: and also a bit perplexed, but I've seen people buy even less explicable things, so I I really have no – I shouldn't be looking a gift horse in the mouth, I suppose.
1: You know, when I found out that there's actually people that collect for the N-Gage, I wasn't surprised anymore. <laughs> I truly wasn't.
5: There are people who collect for the CDI, aren't there?
1: Um, I believe so, yeah. Uh... If you collect
5: for the N-Gage, why not for the CDI? Um, okay, so what have I... Let's see here. I have started, have not finished a Child of Light review since I finished that game. Great deal. Had a great deal of fun with it. Coincidentally, we were talking about Grandia. And though Child of Light does not have things moving physically on the battlefield, it is otherwise similar to Grandia in its combat.
4: Yeah, buddy. Uh,
5: let's see here. And then after I finished Child of Light on my Vita, I... I just scrolled around on the on the screen thinking what else do I have on here and then I picked Hexy's Force and so far it's kind of curious and it's also the most atypically not terribly interesting sting game that I've ever played which is interesting in its own right but also doesn't make for a game that I play for long stretches and then there's the thing that I've been playing on my PC lately, once, the, once I finally got it to stu, stinking work, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. I am enjoying this game. And not just because I am vicariously enjoying Koji Igarashi sticking it to Konami for not wanting to make any more Metroidvania games for the last 10 years. Is
1: everybody still here? Seems yeah. Like I'm yep. Bloodstains.
5: Good game. Good game. Okay.
1: Oh, I played through it. I enjoyed it.
5: I'm not done with it. I just got to the conditions to where I can access the true ending. Because of course I wandered in there and fought Mister. I've been possessed by demons and kicked his butt and got the fa- the bad ending.
1: Yeah, I did that too.
5: I was just exploring. Okay. Okay. I've got. I managed to get in here. I must be able to fight this boss. Oh, it's Jeeble, the guy that started all of this. Oh, it was actually pretty easy. Oh no, everything's not solved. And then I kept going. Yeah, it's I, there's a lot of detail that goes into it. I'm I'm impressed with all of the little graphical touches for <clears throat> each thing that Miriam equips and make and looks different on her. The soundtrack is not a complete knockout, but some of the tracks are really, really good. The enemy design is fun, especially those goofy demon cats sticking out of portals in the wall.
1: Oh god, yes. That cracked me up. Have you run into the puppy heads yet?
5: Yes. The puppy head and the Rottweiler head. Okay. Or at least, I think it was a Rottweiler head. It looked kind of like one. And... Yeah, I will probably chime in with a second opinion, which we don't do very often anymore because that requires somebody else to finish the game in a good time frame. But it deserves people to buy it, A, because it's a good game, and B, because you are also helping to show Konami that Konami is being stupid by not letting any of the people presumably at the company who wanted to make this sort of thing let it happen for all those years. Thank you for your stupidity, Konami. (laughs)
1: It's funny, I found out recently that the reason why the two PS2 games felt so lacking was because they wanted Iga to basically do what he did on the DS, but with a DS budget.
5: Uh-huh.
1: And, 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 this, and this is coming from somebody who liked Lament of and Darkness.
5: I did not play those, mostly because I heard not particularly encouraging things.
1: I enjoyed them for what they were. Especially Curse of Darkness. I really had a lot of fun with Curse of Darkness, but I don't think I could go back to them.
5: Yeah, I've never played any of the 3D Castlevania games mostly because Castlevania just feels so right in 2D and attempting to put it since I generally don't have a good time with 3D action games, that would have been a tough sell anyway.
1: Yeah, and and I avoided uh 64 the 264 games like The Plague,
5: but we know that the nerd had a great time with them, so you'd probably have a great time too.
1: No, I don't think me me, and the nerds tastes line very much. <laughs> well, maybe,
5: maybe he was making a mountain out of nothing and carrying that nitro all the way across the floor was actually a joy.
1: Well, something tells me not so much.
5: Oh, that angry video. Um, let's see. So those are the things that I've been playing. I, I mean, I played a little bit more of Grim... Don Grimshade, what is it that I need to be? Grimshade, yeah, but Bloodstained has usurped my attention and probably will continue to usurp my attention until I finish it. Then I will finish Grimshade, give us a review for that, because I'm, I need to review it. And I have actually managed to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood twice in the theater, because it's really good. And the wall of crickets that I'm hearing says that nobody else has.
1: Nope. Nope. It's just not a movie for me, unfortunately.
5: It is less violent than any other Quentin Tarantino movie I have seen, and yet it still packs quite a violent punch in spots. Because it wouldn't be a Quentin Tarantino movie if he didn't have some bursts of violence. I'm looking I forward heard, to what he does with Star Trek.
1: I have heard that Brad Pitt is at his hottest in it, so. And he's he
5: has some really good line deliveries. Quentin Tarantino just has that ability to draw out really good performances from everybody, even people who normally phone it in. Mm -hmm. And since it's set in 69, his soundtrack of choice is a little different than usual. He's not able to to channel the greatest hits of the 70s. It has to be only 60s stuff. And he nails the era completely. The attention to detail is extremely noticeable and appreciated. And the fact that it's 2 hours 40 minutes might sound intimidating but I found that it blew past because it was just such a fun th- watch. And yeah, I didn't pay anything for the second ticket but I still gladly went along again because it's a movie for movie lovers pretty much that celebrates and is even more rewarding if you're familiar with a lot of the things that he's referencing. Although I have to say that his foot fetish is on full display in some disgusting spots.
3: And I've heard that. <laughs> That's what I've heard.
5: There's a point when a teenager who's presumably been stomping around L.A. all day in her sandals just takes them off and flops her ugly, stinky, smelly feet right up on the car dashboard. Mmm, that's just what you want to do if you're just hitching a ride, isn't it?
1: Well, I thought that girl that that lady was portraying was actually like that. Is that Margot Robbie's character?
5: No, that is somebody who – one of the Manson girls. Oh, uh, Sharon Tate does do that in a movie theater. She's wearing the white go-go boots when she goes in and she just takes them off and plants her feet on, on the back of the chair in front of her, which I wouldn't care for. I wouldn't – it wasn't a very packed theater. Maybe it was because it's a Dean Martin movie.
1: Oh, I, I'm sorry. If you do that, screw you.
5: <laughs> I would not care to have somebody's smelly feet right up next to my head in a movie theater. <laughs> okay. But – Because Tarantino is good enough to make his stuff so rewarding to watch most of the rest of the time, I just accept, oh, you you have this goofy fetish that you've got to include no matter what you do. Fine.
1: (laughs) You do you, Quentin.
5: Yeah, I would much rather him do that without watering it down or having some committees come in and focus group it to death because that's usually the end.
1: I, I am sure that when I get my JK. Rowling movie for the book I'm eventually gonna finish, I'm gonna want something weird like that in my movie too. so but that's also pie in the sky hopes.
5: And that's about all I've got. so Phil, I think it's time for you to close us out because we're getting towards the end.
2: The end the light at the end of the tunnel um, of the end it's it's the end, oh my gosh it's it's coming. Oh my gosh! So so so, I'm gonna mix what I'm doing with different little news things that are out there because I don't know why. It's just what I'm doing. Bard's Tale directors' cuts, number Bard's Tale four directors' cuts now available. I've talked about Bard's Tale before. Uh, it's been a long time since I've actually put any time into it, but I remember fondly from like the '80s, and I'm excited that they basically a while back released Bard's Tale one through three uh, in a in a remaster. And then we got, you know, and and around that time, we also got a brand new game in Bard's Tale 4. And now there's a director's uh, cut, um, you know, featuring um, uh, legacy mode and more character customization options, new items, new enemies, revised UI, uh, and a free expansion dungeon. And if you've already bought the game, I believe you're getting this upgrade for free. If you haven't bought a game, now's a good time to buy. It's $35 for the basic Directors of Cut Edition, and then if you want to pay 15 bucks more, you can get extra digital goodies, like, you know, high-definition wallpaper, probably, and soundtracks, and who who knows what else other stuff I don't usually get, Um, but... Uh, for thirty five bucks, I know that the original game was pretty well received, but it did have some flaws. I'm thinking, hopefully, I'll you know, I haven't, I'll, I'll watch the reviews as they come out, but i hopefully the director's cuts have addressed some of those issues. Plus, they're adding more material uh, at a really still a really great price. So it, it sounds like pretty much a win out there for retro. Since we're talking about dungeon crawlers today, uh, Bard's Tales are very much along along those lines. I've been playing, uh, at, uh, and I think I'm allowed. Am I allowed to talk about? Wait, let me try to remember what the rules are. I was told, uh, okay, I'm not allowed to spoil it, and I'm not allowed to put a score on it, but I can talk about it. I've been playing Catherine full-body. Because hmm. it's full-bodied, right? Like a full-bodied wine. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you see, somebody gets it. Somebody, Somebody's so,
5: happy. So the, the I just up it, on I'm that. You play Catherine.
2: <laughs> you know, the, and the love triangle is now a love square, because you had originally the story is about... Um, Vincent, the protagonist, who is who is very, very, very steady, practically engaged to a lady named Catherine when another lady named Catherine just shows up suddenly in his life. Uh no big spoilers there. It happens right at the beginning of the game, but um but uh it creates a lot of problems in his life. It this is a this is a puzzler Um, game with a lot of RPG elements to it. Uh, I was kind of debating whether we, we, you know, we were kind of going back and forth a little bit, whether I'll do a full review or just kind of do one of what we call the Adventure Corners or whatever, but ultimately it's not tech. I don't think there's enough there to say it's fully an RPG, but it it, 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 it does give you a lot of choices you make throughout that leans you uh, one way or the other between the two ladies and now there's there's another you know person in there as well in this remaster there's more story there's another main character you gotta do- that he has to deal with another interest and um uh some some re- remastered graphics remastered puzzles the game mechanics If you never seen Catherine before it is a puzzle the there uh, when he's having these nightmare dreams that he has to work his way through, he's climbing up a bunch of blocks. And the blocks can be moved. You can climb around them. There's different rules. There's special types of blocks uh, that have different effects. Uh, and if you like puzzling games and you like RPGs, this is a slam dunk because you're, you're gonna get a really well done puzzling game, um, along with, uh, with a story that lets you make a lot of decisions. And one of the cool things I really like is in, you know, during the day, uh, during the nights, he always goes out to a bar and you can talk with different people and sometimes he'll ask you questions and how you answer them will kind of affect which way you're leaning. There's a meter that shows up. Kind of like a morality meter. But one of the things I really like is while you're in the bar, you're talking to people, your cell phone would chirp, and it could be a text message, or it might even be a phone call from uh, one of your interest. And it's really funny because you kind of feel like you're really at a bar hanging out with people, and your cell phone keeps bugging you, right? And you're just, you know, flipping it out and responding to that. It's really well written and, and voice acted. So uh, I'll get into more details because uh, I'll be doing the. Full, I'm already pretty much done with the first vision of the the write up and stuff. Hey, I actually beat a game. Woo! Um, yes! Yay. yay! for Phil. Yay! Yeah. Now, the next game I'm working on, uh, outside of the RPG club, which we'll say for next show, but the the just just kind of like for RP gamer is 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 a title that everyone's been waiting for. Every RP gamer fanatic has been on the edge of their seat. This is the release of the year. You know what it is, right, Mike?
1: I'm afraid to ask.
5: Is it a remaster of something that we've discussed before?
2: No, no. This is an original new title. A brand new uh, series from a developer that's been around for decades. <laughs> and I get to play it before anybody else. I'm so stoked.
5: I am deliberately not answering.
2: <laughs> I can only be talking about Queen's Wish, The Conqueror by Spiderweb Software. <laughs> Oh, of course. Of course, right? Everybody.
0: <laughs> <hear>
2: <laughs> you can hear the crickets chirping. Uh, for those of well, you <laughs> I I played
5: I played Avernum too. I well, enjoyed it. There you that. go.
2: Okay, cool, cool So, they're, they're, see, Mike's Mike's a fan uh, For those of you who don't know, Spiderweb Software is basically like uh, one guy who leads like a two or three man family, mostly family team uh, Who's been creating uh, computer role playing games since way back in the disc on Shareware back in the 80s So, he, he's, he's an old hat at this uh, and he, yeah, he made the Avernum series, as well as the Gene Forge series. These are very old-school, Ultima-style type of RPGs. And apparently he's still making them in the year 2019. This release is officially on September 11, 2019. And I'm basically allowed to talk about everything except for giving it a score. So I will tell you, I won't go into too much detail. We've got to get on for tonight. But I put seven hours into it so far. I can't talk that much anyways. But seven hours into it so far. And yeah, if you liked Avernum, I think you're like this. So first of all, the first thing, if you go right now and you go onto Google and you look up Queen's Wish the Conqueror, which is going to take you to the Steam page, probably. There's also a GOG page. I don't know if they're releasing on GOG at the same time or not. He's released his other games on GOG. But um, you're going to look at and you go, oh my gosh, Phil, these graphics are so primitive. They're not just primitive, They're actually kind of bland and simplistic. Like, it's one thing to do low-resolution graphics or retro graphics, but still have an artistic direction to it. You're not going to find that with Let's be honest. You know, if you're doing, you know, uh, yeah, you're you're not getting into these games for the graphics, uh, the spider web games. Um, And somehow, no, no, and somehow, I think this actually... (laughs) looks a little bit stepped back from some of his remasters of averna. Just, I somehow feel like this is taking a tiny step back. Um, but I, I, I am enjoying so far, I will tell you guys, I am enjoying the story. So so just to kind of premise real quick, uh, at last, I'll read what the, the developer says. At last, the queen has given you power and freedom. The cost? You must rebuild her empire. Will you? In this epic indie fantasy adventure, you are free to explore, fight for fame and power, and shape the world as you choose. Escape into an unpredictable, open-ended story and cunning tactical combat. So, you're, you're basically a prince or a princess, and you've been spoiled rotten, and you're a spoiled brat. But you've been trained like every prince or princess. You've been trained in combat and 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 diplomacy, and things are kind of expected of you. But you've been kind of dragging your feet, and your mother, the queen, is is just tired of it. It's time to kick you out on your proverbial ass and and sink or swim type of thing. So she puts you in charge of a, a distant country that there was uh, that 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 that. And I'm terrible with names, but but basically your country had treaties with but these other countries have basically rebelled and broken those treaties and it's time for you to go and re-establish the forts re-establish the presence because generally speaking your country that you come from is the most powerful uh it's kind of like the united states of america right and everyone has their trade agreements and whatever have you so you're gonna go trump it up you're gonna go right over there kick them all in the ass <laughs> and ah. get them into shape you're like i drug that into a political discussion right however However, this That's is what we needed. I know, right? However, you can decide. I can tell you, even early on, I've had people, you know, uh, NPCs come up to me and the way I of interacting situations come up where it's really, some of this is really tough. Do I do what I think is a good act? Do I go with a more evil bent? Some of, some of this can clearly piss off my mom. Uh, whereas other decisions, I might, you know, there, there are definitely some things where you're kind of going back and forth and going, okay, this seems like the right decision to do it. This is like the nice thing to do for the people, but might piss off mom. Do I really want to piss her off? Uh, maybe that's what I want to do. Uh, maybe, maybe there's some bigger implications down the road. I don't know. I haven't explored that far yet. But you could definitely see, like, some of these decisions you're given. If you take them a certain direction, you're really going to have a, you know, a fun time and with your you know, with the queen later on down the road. Uh, so it, it is pretty, it's pretty cool. Some decisions I've made have already come back to like, I've had other NPCs come up and say, you know, hey, what's, what's going on with this? And follow up with decisions I've made. So uh, I will say for a small team so far, the RPG side of it uh, has been pretty cool. There's no voice acting, but it is pretty well written. I've enjoyed, you know, reading the text and what they say. What's kind of interesting is compare, if you have played a Avernum before, this game feels, not only looks a little bit more simplistic, but it feels a little bit more simplistic. In in the, in the way that, like, with Ultima and Avernum, there was a lot more details as far as skills, as far as, like, items you could pick up and maybe sell. Like, you could pick up a spoon, you could pick up a bowl. You know, those old Ultima games were trying to make things feel more realistic by the fact that uh, there was a lot more nuances to the world. Here, when it comes to the to the skills and the combat and the and you know the items and stuff it's going with the premise that less is more so that you can focus on the role playing the decision making and combat is 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 you know the number of tactics at your disposal and the combination of skills is, is boiled down it's still tactical uh but you don't have you know, 825 permutations like you would in a Dungeons & Dragons game, for example. So if you need to go back and reset, which by the way, this game, unlike Avernum, lets you respec at any time uh, in your fort. So you can go back, change up your spec, and try a different strategy if that's what you want to do. It also features different difficulty levels, so if you want more or less tactics, knock yourself out. So I'll have more to say once I put some more hours into it, and I'll do a a full write-up on it at some point. Yay! 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 But but so far I would say like it is I will say you look at the comments on there and you can already see the comments. Graphics so ugly! Bleh and it's like that's 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 not the game for, for you then if that's that that's your cup of tea. It just it just isn't. But but as far as the other I'm,
5: stuff I'm goes I'm trying to figure out why people would be looking at spider web software games if graphics are the most important to them.
2: I just and, and yeah, no. I mean even 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 my wife Shirley who plays Ultima Online which is one of the oldest MORPGs, if not the oldest MORPG, still uses 2D graphics and stuff like that came and said Ew, that's ugly and yeah compared to Ultima Online a 20 year old MMO you know it uses 2D too. but if you look at screenshots it's very well designed I will say Queen's Wish isn't just it is definitely just, uh, just that is they did not have a graphic designer <laughs> really coordinating that no no but but uh, you know, I'm the kind of guy who plays Dungeon Dragons with little figurines, and when it's like they're being attacked by 15 hobgoblins, I use coins, I use rocks, I use whatever I can grab. Like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm low tech, so or I'll play it online and we use very, very simple tokens uh and and we use our imaginations for the rest and i think that's where kind of queen's wish for those kinds of gamers is so far it's fun the the cool thing will be playing oh and i almost forgot one of the biggest selling points is you are in this new country you are creating so you're there to conquer it for the queen really to reconquer these lands for the queen to do that you need to establish a presence you need to conquer forts you need to build up uh, armories and blacksmiths and granaries and things like that to get your war machine going. A lot of what builds up your characters um, is coming from these shops. Like, you are you know, to arm up your crew, you're not going to find all the armor you need in dungeons. You don't just walk into a, the next town and buy the coolest thing off the shelf. You need to build up a blacksmith and armor. For that, you're going to need supplies. You're going to need to reopen mines. So, it is very open world in that you can get some directions from some of the NPCs on what's the nearest mine that's been taken over by you know bad guys, and you can go conquer that knowing it's a stone mine. It's going to start giving you an income of stone, and you might need stone to get your next upgrade on, or go take another fort so you have more room to upgrade and build more buildings so that you can get better selection of armors and weapons. And in a lot of ways, the progression, the power progression of your party, is kind of tied into how well you're building those things up. Some of those buildings have a direct implication on your attacking defensive stats. Uh, furthermore, you don't really get experience through battle, like in a lot of RPGs. You most experience you get in in, in this game is quest by completion. quest completion, exactly. And plot development. So it's 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 pretty cool. I find it I you know, I really do so far, first seven hours, Though early you still impression. Get
5: a lot of stuff from fighting enemies, right?
2: Yeah, they do drop some things here and there, but it's a lot less qu- you know, a lot less of the little garbage stuff that you would get in Invernum that you would turn around and sell. Like, half the time when you open up a chest, if it's not a direct piece of armor or weaponry you can equip, and it's not a piece of ore, stone, or lumber to build up your fort, then it's a valuable item, whether it's a trophy or it's a chalice or whatever it may be, and it immediately converts to gold. So it doesn't clog up your... I mean, like I said, they kind of... I think it's done a pretty good job of just letting you focus on what most people consider the more role-playing part of role-playing games. So... So I'll have more to say once I put some more time into it and see how some of these things work out. But early impressions is is pretty promising for, for the right audience. Um, cool. Uh, so let's see here. Uh, I will tell everybody, head over to rpgamer.com. we got a lot of write-ups going on because, hell, wasn't there like a big game show or something, Mike?
5: Mm, let's see. D23, whatever. Yeah, I, I can't remember what the hell that stands for because it's fairly new, but we got a lot of news out of it.
2: We got a lot of news out, but so go, go and, 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 and yeah, go and read those things. Check those things out. Uh, we got quite a few write ups. Uh, we've also got oh gosh, we got something. I know we have something. I, I know we got something. I'm clicking on something. I'm going to tell you what we have. Something. We have a review for Crystar Ultimate Alliance Three, uh, the Black Order, and and Fire Emblem Three Houses. So go and check all of that out. Uh, lots of stuff on there. Uh, And I'll remind you all that this podcast is a production of RPGamerDoc. Oh, but one other thing, too. If any of you all listening have ever played Kinseed, it's a simulation, kind of reminds me of uh, one of those Harvest Moon type of games, uh, stardew valley deals if any of you played it, it it's still in beta whatever one of those things that has been in beta forever tell me what you think i'd love to hear because because my wife's interested but i'd like to hear some other opinions anyways this is a production of rpgamer.com your source for news reviews and home to the best gaming community on the net head on over join our discord the information's right there in our community on our website and come join in on conversations where we're talking about this stuff all the time we have a channel just just to talk about the crpg club and uh and, and we'd love to hear from you uh, so, yeah, head on over or head to our general channel just talk about RPGs in general. We'd love to engage with you. Leave your comments uh, on the latest show uh, on our podcast right there on the website directly or hit us up on Twitter. I'm at JC Servant. Mr. Mickey's at Sin. RPG uh, RPGamer's at RPGamer, of course. So let us know what you're thinking. I'll be happy to read your comments on the air. Mr. Mickey, you want to post to bed?
5: I was going to suggest other things that we could blend with Shin Megami Tensei. And the most fruitful one that I immediately thought of was yakuza yes let's blend persona and yakuza let's let's see how that goes i'm sure it will work well and you can come up with your own potential i would like to blend my shin megami tensei or persona with this series and see how it works and on that note good night
7: we
8: Driving the battle, in battle, ain't not giving <laughs> don't you say that it's in and Give you a chance just to listen. Only when it happened, you just get the garbage. Talk full no blessings. Y'all looking present, I'm already futuristic. Cruising, satisfaction, kill me. Me, curiosity brings me back. to are don't want to follow order, I'll order, restore that toilet, close to the border. Next corner, polls and more reporters. Next level, we'll explore with my crew supporters. Too comfortable with my craft. Life's the sun is the like light, the past,
7: whatever is that. You keep on breathing.
8: Drama over we go let us banana, I just wanna have a lot of fun and so in the vibe the body, the battle, in